welcome one, welcome all to the turn of the century and the current wars as we talk about Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror in this season's Doctor Who episode, which is so far probably the best one. Anyway, Stuart Late <laughs> is joining me from across time and space via Skype. He is in Hello, Brisbane. Natalie. Oh, I can you hear me through the time tunnel? <laughs> time tunnel uh yes forgive me if i'm a little bit uh spacey it's uh, earlier in the morning here in perth than it is for you in brisbane and uh, it is although having said that i have just gotten up myself so nice. i mean we're both in the same boat here i'm just lazier yeah no i am very jealous uh it's been a crazy week of doing shows here in perth so i've i've um yeah if i if i sound a bit spacey it's because i'm just uh, this speed with Keanu Reeves is fully in my brain. I must tell you, Stu, <laughs> I did there are watch worse things to have in your brain. <laughs> True, that's okay. <laughs> exactly. Um, we uh, we watched this episode earlier in the week, and although it was really fun and I enjoyed it, I've I think due to general tiredness, I've kind of been struggling to remember aspects about it. So I'm I'm mm. almost looking forward to this podcast so you can re-educate me on this episode. <laughs> you're, you're assuming that I will have uh, retained it more than you have, and I guess, I guess prob- I probably Stu. have. Look. Yes, you have. Come on. Let's not... That's true. No That's false true. modesty here. You will have remembered it all. Uh, mm. Whereas I just remember sort of going, oh yeah, this is a fun romp-along adventure. And it is. Yeah. So, like, and that's all it is. But yeah. it's... Yeah, well, we'll talk about it, but yeah, like like... The bar's the bar's pretty low, and this this easily cleared it. Yeah, so. <laughs> isn't that nice? <laughs> yes. <laughs> We've we uh, the I wonder I wonder how we would see this episode uh, if we didn't have the context of like last week. Sure, yeah, yeah. I I definitely want to talk about that. So I mean, let's let's get into yeah. it. Do you want? I'll do my list first this this week, or I mean, the problem is my list is very. Um, I'll just I'll just I'll just lay it out. Okay, for yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You, you go through your list. It's it's not really very detailed. It's just sort of everything I could remember because, as I said, I feel like I haven't absorbed the super detail. If that yes, makes exactly. Sense. So I've just got. Um, so this, this was our one minute challenge this for, is anyone, our one minute for anyone. Challenge. Italy, this is their first episode of this podcast. Yeah, exactly. We um we stick a minute on the clock and try to remember everything we can about the episode. So the first thing I wrote was this seemed fun. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Nikola Tesla is a great historic character. I'm surprised they haven't used him before. Absolutely, yeah. It's um, insane they have dipped into this well before. And his secretary, uh, Miss Skerritt, was great, and she's a mm. historical character too. Although they hinted at a romance there, and I had to go and Google, and no, Nikola Tesla never married, um, so that was a bit of a historical invention there. Um, the companions... Well, she's... Sorry? So, sorry, yeah, I'll, I'll, just say, I'll just say quickly and get out of the way because it's not really a fully formed thought, but, I mean, she's basically his companion. Like, she's, she's his assistant, um, oh, yeah. So if you look at if you look at Tessa as like a doc as a doctor figure, she's the companion. Mm. Um, so I mean, there's there's sort of that that same companion mix of a little bit of romantic attachment, mostly just hero worship, and also like a a doorway <laughs> to a to a more interesting world. Like and that, and they bond over it. Like she and Ryan bond over it. I think when you um when you oh that's right yeah I forgot that bit. See this is all the stuff I'm going to relearn because of this podcast <laughs> with you. Uh, uh, but I've forgotten my train of thought. I'll move on. Um, I did say the companions again didn't seem to have to, a lot to do. Yeah, although I thought they had that they were way better used in this episode than they have been in a long time. Everyone sort of got their job, although it uh, it did 
again, sort of leave Yaz to just be there when stuff happens? Yeah, maybe maybe that's what I mean mm. more so. But, yeah. Anyway, uh, Thomas Edison is a bastard. Nice <laughs> TARDIS reveal. Um, the Wardenclyffe inclusion was really cool. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. Because I think... Hasn't there been a movement on the internet to like buy that site or something and restore it? Probably. Like um, the internet has a has a strong and, and vaguely misguided hero worship of Tesla. Yeah. Uh, but yes, like, like that's the reason that he's sort of popped up into popular consciousness is that people have sort of championed his cause years after his death. So it's very and, interesting to sort of talk about. <laughs> and also, the scorpions seem to get a bad rap uh, <laughs> in this episode. They're sort of portrayed, or this Skithra, they're they're sort of portrayed as as ragtag, um, rag and bone men of the universe. Or yeah. The, the, no, they're a scavenger species. The Skithra are the people who pick up your hard rubbish on the curb <laughs> before it gets collected. That's who the they're Skithra are. They're those people are. who can just sense when you put it out, and suddenly they turn up with a big uh, big yeah. cage trailer and throw yeah. it all in. I put out a, a when I got a, upgraded my TV. I had the, a, an old plasma that I'd had for ten years. I'd like to point out I was not upgrading, you know, needlessly. Um, but I upgraded and put the old plasma, which was quite heavy and you know would get a bit hot after use, and uh, didn't think anyone would pick it up. No, it was gone overnight. Oh yeah, absolutely. Vanished. No, that's that stuff goes well. Like electronics that actually work, you you may as well not even put it on the ground. That's, and it's interesting, isn't it? And in a way, I'm kind of glad. I'm glad that there are people out there repurposing and upcycling. Yeah, well, I mean, it used to be it used to be dump divers. Like I remember, we'd go to the dump as kids, and there would just be people hanging around at the dump. Uh, <laughs> just no, I'm serious. Like they would no, they no, would no. just you did... put out stuff and like 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 seagulls on a chip. They would all yeah. descend. <laughs> Did you and go... just sort of scrabble around. And now those same people have translated, because you're not allowed to do that at the dump anymore. It's in like a big pit. Yes, well, and this is what I wanted to ask you, is do you remember the days of going to the tip and it was just kind of a big It was just pile. a big mound of rubbish. <laughs> and, and you would just sort of like pull up to it in your car. We used to live, if people know Brisbane, I used to live at Albany Creek, which was, you know, quite in the 80s. Uh, in the sticks a bit, still in the sticks a bit, but so much more built up than it was. And we had the dump at the end of what was called the Jinka Track. And now the Jinka Track was the local kind of scary, unpaved um, road. (laughs) Yeah. Now it is all primo real estate. It's the road paved and... You know, but, this is the big secret. They build million-dollar houses on top of tips. Yeah. So they cleared out the tip, and it became, you know, primo real estate. But back then, you would load up the car, and we would go with Dad, and then just climb around in rubbish. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, and as a kid, you and they would just let children just run around. I mean, if, yeah. if the parents let them. But, like, you would just run around in other people's refuse and you yeah. could sometimes find like really cool stuff and and you would get told you know watch out for sharp objects and yeah yeah but then... like there's glass and there's there's jagged bits <laughs> of metal but there's also like all co- i mean the the, the the mother load for a for a young boy was always a box of pornography because um, <laughs> people Who's would throw out that, boxes though? of pornography Who's they would their porn? plenty of people Really? Like, this, is, this is the days of physical magazines natalie i suppose so they, they would just go out and like you know, every once in a while <laughs> yeah, they would get to a point where they were functionally unusable, and um, they would 
<laughs> that might be the most disgusting so, thing I've ever said yeah. in this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, but, but like, anyway, more broadly, the dump was great. And uh, we, we, as a society, decided that wasn't a cool thing to do anymore. Yeah. So we translated it to a, a roadside cleanup. Uh, so you dump all your stuff out onto the roadside. If other pe- if people elsewhere listening don't do this, like all of the local councils do it here. You put your stuff on the on the roadside and then theoretically the council um, cleanup comes along and picks it up in like a week or so. But functionally what happens is that every single thing that can possibly be either resold, repurposed or stripped down for parts is taken by these people yeah. who just seem to know like the second you put something out. And and because they do it by you know, streets and by suburbs, you can, because there's a list of when it's happening, people can just yeah. go and comb the streets and uh, you can, you can kid out a whole house if you're clever. Absolutely. Enough. Yeah. And you if, you, a, if, you, if you're clever enough and not picky. Yeah. And if you have a, a decently sized ute or van and uh, maybe a mate or two to help you load stuff in. <laughs> but that's what the skithra are to bring it back to Doctor that's, Who. That's that's literally what they are. They're they're a bunch of uh, curbside cleanup crawlers. <laughs> Universal dumpster divers. <laughs> um. So so. Uh, Which is fine. Love a good love a good scavenger species. Yeah, but I feel like scorpions are kind of cooler than that. Uh, you know, scorpions. Oh yeah, I guess. Well, in Earth mythology, like scorpions are very big in Egyptian mythology, or maybe that was just the movie The Mummy. I don't know. That's true. Just for me. Um, But uh, scorpions in my favourite use of them, of course, is Diamonds Are Forever, when um, Mr. Winter and Mr. (laughs) Kim use them to kill people. They drop scorpions down there. I forgot about that. Yeah, absolutely. Down their back. Um, And so scorpions are kind of these cool, dangerous, you know, with that awesome tail flick. And here they're kind of reduced to to crazy scavenger dump. Anyway, I just felt maybe scorpions would have been a bit cooler. They were still cool, but I guess as in a bit more all-conquering or something. What was that other species of arachnid? The, uh, the rachnos. The rachnos. Um, and I do I do want to talk about that. Uh, so uh, we can we can talk about it now if you like. Uh, well, um, you do your list because my list was fairly basic because I'm oh, a that's basic it. Okay, bitch. Cool. So you go through yours. <laughs> well, the first one the first one I wrote was uh, this was seemed to be a good episode. Yeah, uh, notice the way we're upwardly inflected. Yeah, <laughs> where we're really surprised. <laughs> we think it was good. <laughs> and look. What, what I what I really want to sort of nail down is the fact that in in any other season except perhaps the last series uh, of Doctor Who, this would be a fun romp that would probably sit in about the middle of the pack, right? Like like it's a very standard Doctor Who episode. It it ticks all the boxes. It doesn't really do anything particularly, um, you know, outside the box or, or you know, unusual or brilliant. It does have an incredible uh, lead performance in, uh, I think, Goran Viznich as Tesla. Where um, have I seen him before? Apparently, he was in ER. Right. Okay. Well, um, then I've never seen. I'm him told. Before. <laughs> I yeah. I, I don't. I don't know him. I'm not familiar with his work. The whole time, I just kept thinking about how much he looked like Kevin Klein. Yeah, um, he did look like. I knew... He, he looks you. so much like Kevin Klein that it's actually kind of uncanny. Um, but having said that, uh, he obviously isn't Kevin Klein because Kevin Klein's quite a bit older than him, but I'm yeah. sitting there looking at him going, he's like prime era Kevin. He's like fish called Wanda era Kevin Klein. Well, if, if they ever want to reboot, then they've got there themselves we go. a, yeah, they've got themselves a, a young um, but Kevin I thought, Klein. Um, 
yeah, like, like this episode was just really, really solid uh, in a way that episodes of the Chibnall era have not been historically. Mm. Uh, it's just a very solid episode of Doctor Who. It's probably not even an A grade for me. Like, it's probably like a B plus. Like, a, yeah, I think grading it, but like, it's fine. It's it's really nice. It's fun. It had a couple of janky bits, um, but like overall, just a really fun, solid episode of Doctor Who. Um, and you know, it, it th- those are few and far between at the moment, and <laughs> we're coming off the back of one of the worst episodes the show has ever done. Like, I'm, I've really like I thought thinking about Orphan Fifty Five a little bit more over the last week would maybe like soften me on it, but no, that's a bad episode of Doctor if Who. If anything, it's just you've just really... become more embittered. Yeah, like, like it's just really, really bad. And they, they let that out the gate as the third episode. And it's like, that that shouldn't have been let out the gate at all. Like, that's that's a that's a subpar episode. Everyone involved has, like, badly failed at their jobs. And yeah. it's funny because every so often I've, like, logged into Twitter, you know, as I'm going around the town or whatever, yeah. and I'll just see Twitter, obviously, the algorithm knows that we're friends and it prioritizes right. your tweets in oh, my okay, feed because right. you yeah. know how Twitter will do that and you'll sort of see... Yeah, you Someone can stop tweets. it doing that if you want to, but but it will keep sort of defaulting back to that if you're yeah, not careful. Yeah, I think maybe that's what's happened. Um, I try to keep it on the timeline, but then occasionally it goes, no, 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 you need to know what Stu's saying. And I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> and, you know, so, it's not wrong. Yeah, I, I appreciate that Twitter is taking care of me like that and making sure I'm up to date with what Stu thinks. And I, every, every time I've logged in, there's been like another Stu tweet going... And look, here's another thread on why this uh, <laughs> why this episode was not good. And, I was a little bit obsessed about this, this week. Yeah, but I love that. I, I I love that even when Doctor Who is bad, it can inspire people. To... Well, exactly. Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing. Like the thing is, like we love this show, and I don't understand. I've been having a lot of very depressing conversations with friends of mine, including, I mean, we we had Greg on last week. Uh, Greg Greg Wah from the Smart Enough to Know Better podcast. Yes. Uh, who friend of the show, and who is a very uh, like old school Whovian like myself. Uh, and he is feeling very down on the show. Like he's feeling uh, like maybe the show isn't very good anymore, and he doesn't enjoy watching it. And it's like, well, even even when I am watching an episode like Orphan Fifty Five, it's still Doctor Who. Do you know what yes. I mean? Like, like I'm still having fun. It's like it's like the old saying, you know, sex is like pizza. Even if it's bad, it's still pretty good. You know, yeah. like it's it's Doctor Who's Doctor Who's like pizza as well. Also, I want to include in that phrase now, uh, dumplings. Yes, yes. Also, oh, also get, pretty get good. Pretty even... dumplings. That's, that's... Well, I mean, anyway. I mean, Xiao Long Bao, the juicy dumplings. I'm sorry, I've just been a bit obsessed with them for the last couple of months. Uh, <laughs> I, it's it, it's weird. It's a thing now. Um, but that's okay. I just wanted to throw that in because I've been. So... But he's definitely, but he's definitely not the only person I've been talking to about this. Who you know, sort of around around our age, you know, in the in their early twenties, of course. Um, and, that's right, uh, Stu. Thank you very yes, much. Yes, in our early twenties. Continue um, the lie. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like, like people around our age who have watched the show for a long time, they might have only watched the new show. But I mean, the new show's been going for over yeah, ten years at this the point. The new show is fifteen years old. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, it's um. It's it's an established property, and and many of whom like you know watched it as kids when they were when they were little. They watched the original series on repeats on the ABC, like and it was part of their lives. And they're watching this new series, and they go, and it's it's not that it's not all the complaints about you know oh it's too woke now and and like the Doctor's a woman. It's that it just doesn't feel like Doctor Who, yeah. and this episode felt like Doctor Who in a way the show hasn't 
for a long time, and it was so awesome to see it do that. Yeah. And so even though it's only a very standard episode of Doctor Who, it was like a glass of cold water in the face. It was really good. Refreshing cold refreshing. water. Refreshing. A refreshing... Not a shock a refreshing to the system, douse. but like a... Whoa. Yeah, whoa. On, on a hot, humid Brisbane day. Uh, uh, it was like it was like splashing your face with cool water. It was very it was very refreshing. So we went. We took a cast trip out to. Uh, I was about to call it Quokka Island, and I was like, no, that's not the name. That's <laughs> it not may as the well name. Be. That's what uh, Rottnest Island, and uh, on Monday, and you know, after a very very hot sort of a few days building the show, and then getting the first weekend up and running, and then so Monday was like, all right, let's go over to to Rottnest. And we went and had a swim at the basin, and it was just so magical just to kind of be in the water, and it's such beautiful water over there, and the sun was shining, and it was warm and pleasant, and, and that's that's the kind of magic you're talking about, this Doctor Who. It's just a, a lovely, exactly. yes. cooling, you know, restorative, uh, immersive experience. <laughs> Yes, exactly. <laughs> so run me through the plot again. Of, oh, sorry, you finish your list. I don't think you finished. Yeah, okay. Your list. Well, um, so so the next so we've got one we've got one uh, one point into my list, and then oh, I, I started started ranting. No, um, no, no, it's my fault. It's my fault. Um, so uh, I wrote uh, Tesla versus Edison, which is great. Um, what a great uh, what a great semi bad guy uh, Edison is in this. Yeah, uh, he's episode. he's complicated, and I he's I love it. Yeah, yeah, and it's one of those things where. And they give him that moment uh, in the show, if I recall correctly, where I think Tesla says, you've never invented anything of your own or something like that. And he's like, well, I'm the guy who makes it happen. And I think, you know, it's it's been very popular to cast Edison as the bad guy. And I'm not saying he didn't act unethically and that sort of thing, but he, to me, is kind of real American capitalism and that Gilded Age. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's, he's ultra... He's the... The poster child for capitalism. It's, yeah, it's... but but the way that the Rockefellers and the the Carnegie and the who is the other one, the uh, uh, Getty. No, is that Getty? Yeah, Getty. Getty the, the, Rockefeller. Yeah. All those American industrial giants who assuage mm. their guilt by you know spending heaps on uh, goodwill and philanthropy. Uh, well, they all they all set up universities. I think every single one of them. Yeah, paid for wings of things yeah. and museums, <laughs> and because that's that's the American way is you don't pay taxes, you choose where to spend your money. Yeah, you exactly. Accumulate it. Sure. Because uh, <laughs> that that works out so well that we've seen. It really does, Stu. I think we can all agree. Uh, but the, so, to me, it was like, well, that that was the nature and the the style of business that was encouraged that you collect great thinkers, you get them thinking up good ideas, and then you monetize it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, that's the American way. Yeah. So I think it's been popular to cast Edison as the villain, but I like that they gave him that moment in the show where he said, well, look, I'm the guy who gets things done. Because I think that's true. I don't think, you know, yes, he might have done it by underhanded ways, <laughs> uh, but he he certainly, you know, no, totally, yeah, and it's the kind of it's the kind of uh, character that the show does actually very well when it tries, which is it's a complicated. He's still a bad guy. He's a bad guy in this. Yeah, but he works with the TARDIS team and Tesla, and you know he kind of helps save the day at one point, but in the perfect way. Like he 
he gets people off the street by by shouting that Tesla's going has a death ray and he's going to kill everyone. Yeah. Um. So perfectly in character, and also you see worked, him come up with that know? idea. Yeah, exactly. Like saying "get off the street, get off the street" isn't working, but if you play on people's fears, like he's a huckster, he knows how to how to get people to listen to him. Yeah. So he uses that skill, and he screws over Tesla at the same time. Yeah. It's a very it's a very Doctor Master sort of. Um, thing that that's going on there. It's actually very cool. Yeah, I just I just sort of had that thought that they they are kind of a reflection of you know Tesla the the genius loner and yeah. um, Edison the you know manipulative uh, huckster. Yeah, it's exactly. A very similar yeah, dynamic. Yeah. Absolutely, and, and like as characters, like Edison is a little bit high status, and the master is always like a little bit more high status than the doctor, except like you know they always. They always clash and the Doctor wins, but the Doctor's always like a scrappy underdog and the Master is always coming from a position of strength. Yes. So, you know, like that, it just, it's, it's fun. Like, like it's fun to see. And, and I wonder if that was intentional. I wonder if they were deliberately sort of mirroring that relationship or whether it's a happy accident. I, I don't know. Like, it, it, it might have been intentional. This, this episode feels confident enough that it might have been, but it certainly never calls attention to that fact. Which suggests that maybe it was either either just a very subtle thing, or it wasn't intentional. But it's just a cool little wrinkle that we can sort of read into it. Mm. Continue with your list. Yes. Um, <laughs> sorry. I, I, so on. No, on that's this, okay. Uh, so we have uh, uh, death rays, uh, exploring beams. I love Tesla's names for things, um, and this is all from uh, like his real notes. Uh, he ha- he was working on a death ray when he died. Um, and Wait, the government, what? the government confiscated. Yeah, 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 absolutely. He was working on something called a death ray when he died, and he, um, the, like the government confiscated all of his notes because they considered it uh, state secrets. So, like, Has like there's this. Anybody got there's these mis- notes and re- tried to build it? Well, they, they've never found them officially. Like, like the people have subpoenaed them. People have like you know put in like the American equivalent of RTIs. Like it just. Those notes don't really exist anymore. They disappeared. So it, it's very interesting. There's this mystique around Tesla, which is really interesting. And it's why in the episode, I'm always, I was really surprised that Ryan, Yaz, and Graham have just flat out never heard of him. That was weird to me. Yeah. And I know I'm a bit nerdy and hang around with people who Nikola Tesla will naturally come up in conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and obviously Tesla the car. They and they, they make that thing. So Graham Graham says, oh, like the car. And I guess that they're shooting for like the lowest common denominator there. But yeah. I feel like most have heard of Nikola Tesla now. Like, like he, his profile has risen significantly in recent years. But you and I, again, maybe we're too specific a market if they're going for kids. That's true. And they are going for kids. And that's the yeah. thing. So all of those little things in there is definitely in a way that the show hasn't really done before. It's definitely there as like a, a bit of a history lesson for, for kids a at home. A primer, a primer. Yeah. Um, which I, I don't necessarily like, and it's it's sort of a, a symptom of this era of the show that they, they sort of stop and they stop and go, oh Tesla, like he's the he's the man who invented this and blah blah blah. So like, uh, okay, all right, moving on. Um, but no, I like his names for things. Is basically my general point about that one. Yeah, um, I missed those. So was it a death ray and a. Death Radar, he, he calls Radar his exploring beam. Um, and yeah, he came up with the idea for Radar like way before. He was just this guy who had all these... He was, he was sort of like a, a, a Leonardo da Vinci character where he was coming up with all these ideas and just the rest of the world hadn't caught up yet. 
Yeah. So like just he was just out there by himself coming up with these cool ideas that just there was no way to bring them to fruition at the time. Well, um, what was the, but, the episode started with him trying to get investors for a new project? Like a new it was project. it was hydroelectric power. He was using oh. Niagara Falls to um, generate electricity. Right. That's what it was. Yeah. Did he actually do that? Uh, yes, he did. Like everything in here is is uh, is is historically factual. So he was trying to get that off the ground. The funding was pulled, and uh, it never came to fruition. He could have powered like most of the eastern seaboard of the United States. Um, they use Niagara Falls for hydroelectricity. I think they. Now, I think they, they do they? now. I think they do now. But like he was the first guy to sort of say, yeah. "Hey, this could work, and I can show you." And it just he he kept running out of funding, like because he kept. He was basically inventing the technology to do this stuff. So he would try to, you know, put a project in place and the investors would get nervous and pull funding before it was complete. And it happened again and again throughout his life. And it happened famously with the Wardenclyffe site, which was his it was basically going to be a, a like a, a electricity transmitter. So basically Wi-Fi. Yeah, there, um, there was at one point where he he talked about uh, repeating signals or something, and then yeah. Ryan goes Wi-Fi. Did he just invent yeah, Wi-Fi? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he basically did. It was more it was more to do with radio signals and stuff like that. But but he was basically coming up with a very rudimentary idea for modern Wi-Fi. Um, you know, you he 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 firmly believed that you could you could uh, transmit electrical charge at a distance. Um, without sort of lightning and stuff like that, um, like 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 he famously was, was uh, you know worked with uh, electricity and 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 in in that sort of field to the point where like Tesla coils are named after him. Those big those big things in horror movies you see where there's a big arc of electricity between mm. two swirly coils of things that they're they're named after him. So yeah. like he he's he's the he's the electricity guy. He's um, electric- and and he quite famously. Yes, exactly, and he quite famously, and this this is this is the current war. He championed alternating current, uh, which which we use today. Like we we use that technology today. And Edison quite famously championed uh, direct current, which is the current that comes out of batteries. Um, but direct current can't be transmitted over long distances, whereas alternating current can for technical reasons. And isn't it safer? And it's safer. way safer. It's yeah. way safer. Um, but they ran a scare campaign at the time against Tesla. They said, and then uh, 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 Edison quite famously uh, electrocuted an elephant in front of a crowd of people at New York City um, using alternating current. So he got two electrodes and basically killed this poor elephant in front of everyone and, and burned it alive. Was uh, it already and... dead or something? Wasn't there? Uh, oh no, Topsy was a female Asian elephant. Yeah, who was yeah, yeah. She, she, he electrocuted her to death. Um, to show well, the dangers of alternating current. As sub-editors will repeatedly tell you, if you are in journalism enough, if you're electrocuted, you are dead. Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> you can't say someone was electrocuted and they're in hospital and they survived because electrocution or being electrocuted means you are dead. Uh, if you have survived, you have suffered an electric shock. Yes, that's just the sub editor. Thank, thank you for that uh, live, uh, that live, live correction. No, it's just I've had that corrected on me so many times. Yes, I know. Uh, by a certain you also colleague. can't partially drown. You uh, shout drown. out, shout out to Waldo who used to work at 4BC with us. <laughs> he was the guy who always would say, "Now, Natalie, if you have been electrocuted, you are dead. You can't survive electrocution." <laughs> uh, so, yes. Very nice. Okay. Well, um. The, but yeah, that's uh, that's that's that. Yeah, I knew that he had 
um, electrocuted an elephant. But I thought that there was something, you know, like it had been, you, you know, when you find out the no, real story. No, no, there was no, there was no sort of mitigating yeah. factors. He no, got a live elephant just... and he electrocuted yeah. it um, to say, to say, look at the dangers of this, this AC. Like, you know, like you can't, you can't uh, trust this. It's, it's dangerous. You, you want to put this in your homes? And, you know, I don't know if it's reassuring or terrifying that a hundred years on from that, we still have newspapers or media that run scare campaigns about certain things and, yeah, it still works. Well, I mean, you know, uh, you if know. you're looking with a critical eye at those sorts of things, maybe you take some lessons from that. I don't think a lot of people do. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I'm currently in an email war with my dad and several of his friends uh, who keep sending me stuff about, you know, there's, look, sidebar. But, oh, God. You know, you know, well, you know where there's, there's people of a certain age. And oh, yes. And they, they still like to send Boomers, around... I think they're called. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, they still like to send around uh, fun email blasts. Oh, God, yeah, like okay. We, right, like okay. we did in 2002 or whatever. Where you See, get... you need to be proactive about this, Natalie. I've trained my parents not to do this anymore. <laughs> my, parents don't... can be trained if you're firm but kind. I do try, and I try to respond and go, think critically about what you've just sent me and who might mm. be putting this out there and why. And Anyway, and then you just get back, uh, well, if you only look at this one news source, then you're very okay. This this is literally an, a reply I got from a friend of my dad's back. <laughs> when, it's just with bushfires and stuff, and it's not that they're. <sighs> I don't know if you'd call it outright, you know, climate change denial. I don't think my dad's like that. But there's there's this whole movement in the email blast of, oh, we've always had bushfires, and it's like, yeah, we have. We have always had bushfires. I'm not denying that. And that's, that's like, oh, you have to accept that we've always had bushfires. Yes, I do. Not denying mm -hmm. it. Pointing out that what we've had in Australia this summer has been far and away more extreme and bigger than what we have had previously and that climate change is impacting on the severity and et cetera. To me, it's common sense. I don't know. Maybe sure. I'm insane. <laughs> But no, you're not. You're not like, in, it goes without saying. You're not insane. Um, you're to, correct. No, but to, to, to the, the, and these chaps who are saying, uh, you know, the, the we've always had bushfires. Look at all these facts, and, and Natalie might be interested in these facts. Anyway, I wrote back. I wrote back a missive, which was my first mistake. Shouldn't get involved. But I yeah. wrote back, going, look, here's an article from before the election where the uh, fire chiefs all warned. Both parties before this government, uh, federal government election in May 19, 2019, uh, you need to uh, better fund and better prepare for fire season because it's going to get worse. So they're fire chiefs. They are top fire people. They mm. know fire. They're not random crazy lefties in a sitting latte types. No. They're, you know, surely that counts for something. Anyway. Because the article that I, I literally just Googled, found the first article, it was from The Guardian. Oh, don't do that. No, I mean, there's your and, first mistake. <laughs> yeah. And I should have found one from... Find one from the um, Australian. Um, yeah, the Australian or something, if they reported on it. Uh, but they... So the reply I got back was, well, if you only... And it just focused on that one thing. It was like, well, if you only read news from The Guardian... You'll be informed by those uh, talk see, about. See the trick. The trick then rants. is to go and find every single article from every single outlet back yeah. in May, and, and then I just bombard them with that. I have not done that. And yet. then, and then it won't make any difference because people that age don't change their minds. No, it's true. And I, and then, the 
the beauty of it, Stu, was got the, well, if you only read this one, you'll get rants. And I'm like, it wasn't a rant, though. It was a report. Do you know the difference between a report and a, a, a no, opinion No, no, they don't. No, they no, don't. No, they don't. Because, because and, and the thing is, like, it, it's the time for being charitable is past. These people don't know what they're talking about. They're not experts. They're just randos. Yeah. And, uh, and who then, will ju- Stu, yeah, sorry. you love this. The, yeah. the little brief email ends with, I suggest you go back and read, uh, the indoctrination starts early. I suggest you go back and read, what was it, Stu? Finish the sentence for me. Andrew Bolt's column or? No, 1984, George Orwell. Oh, for God's sake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I wanted to reply just with the whole, like, the, the thing from Orwell about, you know, the, the greatest victory was to ignore uh, your yeah. own sight and your own what your eyes t- tell you. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so that's but see, my sidebar. They, but, but that's it, the thing. Like, like they think that that's happening to you. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, maybe is it? I don't think it is. I think like the I'm thing. The thing is, like, like it's generally widely read, and but it's that it's that weird yeah. thing of I don't know why you want to stick your head in the sand on this. Like, even sure. if. Even if... Because it's not going to affect them. Like, nothing has affected the boomer generation throughout their entire lives. They have sailed through the one of the most peaceful, prosperous eras that planet Earth has ever seen, and we're coming to the end of that period, and they're not going to be around for the next bit. So they don't care. Yeah, and I don't want Some to... of them do. Well, like, yeah, you know, I'm making a generalisation about a huge swathe of people, but the vast majority of people who are making these sorts of arguments don't care because they won't be around to see the results. And I just don't understand that. And it's because the thing I is, do. They're selfish. They're selfish and self-centered. But it's not about for me it's not about blame. It's not about going, "Hey guys, because that look, yes, they could have done a lot more to protect, but at the same time, they weren't to know that the good times would end. Like if you're rolling in No, sure, but but now people are telling them that the good times will end and they're just collectively shrugging and going, "Eh, won't affect me." Yeah. I just, uh, yeah, ugh. Yeah, no, I'm, anyway. I'm, I used to be very sympathetic to people like that, and I'm really not anymore because it is just basically at its core selfishness. Mm. It's, it's being unable to think of a world outside yourself, and that, that's literally what being human is—is is being able to empathise with other people. And if you can't do that, then, you know, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Okay, well that was my sidebar. <laughs> I just we might I, kind of figure that out. I, I had know. I had Georgia. Look, I won't. But uh, George Orwell <laughs> thrown in my face. Sure, exactly. From yeah. pe- someone who seemingly from was so, unaware yeah. of the irony of doing Absolutely. that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and it's not a, a boomer thing. unaware of the irony of their statements. Yeah, it's not that they're anyway. I yeah, I yeah. So back to Doctor Who scare campaigns was the point, that they still work and um, people still like to respond as a braying mob in the streets. I did think that was a little convenient that Edison happened to be giving a rally outside his, I don't know, office or something. Sure, but I mean, that that's the sort of thing that means that this episode isn't like a like a, like an A-plus out-of-the-park knock, True. you know? Like, they, there's plenty of janky things in there. Also, the fact that New York seemed to have about, like, maybe 30 people in it. Yeah, exactly. And see, and seem to be conveniently always like one L-shaped street. Yes. You know, and like that. They... And, and this is the thing, like they go, get people inside. And it's like, it's Manhattan. 
I know it's 1900 yeah. <laughs> or whatever. It's still pretty big. Yeah, it's not, a, it's not a village. Are you running through every single street in Manhattan? Yeah. Like, it's just very... Yeah, anyway. Yeah, like, like, look, again, <laughs> like, that sort of stuff is the sort of stuff that you think back later. Like, you don't think about it in the moment, because in the moment, it's very uh, exciting and clever that what, Ed- what Edison does. And, you know, Yaz is going around, like, she, she sort of... She doesn't like what he's doing, but she admits that, like, it got things done. And, like, there's character stuff happening, and it's exciting. And then later you're like... Yeah, there would be. There's like a million people in Manhattan. How would they get everyone inside? It doesn't make any sense. But then I guess he does say like spread the word, like you know, get in, get indoors, all that sort of thing. So I mean, theoretically, how are you going to spread point, the word if you're already indoors? I suppose you could phone someone up, but if you're phoning someone up and they answer, they're already indoors. That's true. Although I mean, you know, you could you could have like those little those little paper boys running around or something. Who knows? But you know, it's that fine. That would have like, been good if they did that. That would have been cool. Have some newsies running around. Yeah. Extra, extra, <laughs> read all about it. A big disastrous something happening. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I thought I thought uh, Edison was great. Uh, he's played by an actor called Robert Glenister, who's actually been in Doctor Who before. He was in the he was in the classic serial uh, The Caves of Androzani, uh, which is Peter Davison's uh, final episode as the Doctor. That's the fifth oh, Doctor. Really? Yes, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's his regeneration episode. Uh, so he into um, into uh, Colin, Colin Colin Baker Baker, the best doctor, as we yes, know. Yes, absolutely. Because he called me pretty once, so that counts. It does. All it you does. Have to do. I'm very vain. I'm so vain. Uh, shallow, shallow. I think is the word. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, he was a good doctor, but I mean. He kind of, by default, slips to the bottom of most lists just because his era was so sort of choppy. Well, he was uh, saying at this event where he, as, a, as an aside, called me pretty, but he was saying in this panel that he wanted to be like a hard doctor and he wanted to wear black leather and have mm. a, you know, be kind of like, ugh, and angry. And they went, yeah. here you go, here's your bright, sparkly coat. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, I've been watching recently on online, uh, there's been a lot of fan reconstructions being done where they replace that coat with the the burgundy or the blue coat that they were planning to put on him in some later seasons. And it looks good. Okay. It looks really good. It's like a, it's like a, like a real, like a, like a deep burgundy sort of coat with like, like a cravat and stuff. So the same outfit, but just not that insane patchwork colors that they put on him. Mm. Um, and it looks good. Um, I feel really sorry for him because, yeah, like you said, he wanted to wear like a leather jacket and be a hard man. And that's basically what Christopher Eccleston got to do. And then uh, he's, you know, his arc was that he he would start out as very, uh, you know, uh, disjointed and mean and distant. But then obviously he's the doctor, so he will become quite caring. Like there would be a real character arc to it. And that's basically what Peter Capaldi got to do. So <laughs> these these later doctors all get to do these things that he was promised that he would be able to do and never got the chance to. Yeah. Oh, well, poor Colin Baker. Hard done by history. Poor Colin Baker. He's Apparently uh, his audio plays are very good. I, I have never listened to any of the audio plays, but um, apparently they're, all of his are very good, as are most of them. Uh, but um, moving on with my list, which we yes. haven't finished. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, I said uh, in this episode, the Rachnos, I mean the Scythra. Yeah. Uh, which is very, a lot of people, um, th- they look so much like the Rachnos that everyone was reporting, like not even rumors online, like 
articles in news outlets were reporting that the Ragnos were returning for this uh, series. And of course, that's not true. Um, it's the Scythra, who are a, a scorpion species. Mm. Um, now, but that's what I sort of want to grab onto because I mentioned this on Twitter earlier in the week. Um, you know, scorpions are arachnids too. Maybe they're a sister species. Like yeah. that's, I'm totally fine with that. It's a really what's cool that, design. Um, what's that one from Star Trek? The Rom- Romulans and the Remans? There's the Romulans and the Vulcan. The Vulcans and the Remans. Aren't they Remans? There are Remans, yes. Yes, unfortunately. Sorry, have I brought up a sore point? Yeah, no, it's just like the Remans are in are in a very bad movie. But anyway, it's fine. Oh, that's um, where I remember <laughs> them from. Because I haven't seen much Star Trek, but I do remember going to see remember a, that. a movie remember where that. they're... That's why I remember Romulans and Remans. Yeah. And I was going, oh, There's Romulans quite, and Remans. That's quite clever because it's like Romulus and Remans. Oh, yeah, well, the thing awesome. was that the, the Romulan... Like the Romulan uh, Empire had two homeworlds. They had Romulus and Remus which is obviously a reference to Romulus and Remus, the founders of Rome. Mm. Um, but I thought, you know, it was just a fun little nod. And then that movie was like, oh, no, but then also there's like this other race called the Remans. It's like, don't, oh, okay, fine, fine, hey, whatever. Speaking of Star Trek, <laughs> that new... Uh, yes, Stewart I want to one. talk about this after the... We'll do a... I was thinking we could do a, oh, um, do a, a little count up at the end. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. I definitely want to talk about Picard. Okay. Uh, well... Your list is still ongoing? Yes. No, no, sorry. Yes, okay. yes, absolutely. So, um, I sound really impatient. I'm not. I'm just trying to, uh, you know, <laughs> attempt some sort of continuity. That's all. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, uh, obviously, so the Scythra, uh, yes. you know, are, uh, are a scavenger scorpions. We've already talked about this, but um, I thought it was a great design, and I thought uh, Anjali Mahindra as the, the Scythra queen was fantastic in yeah, a role she that... Was... She was great. In a role that, you know, you could definitely disappear in and it could become a bit of a pantomime villain. And she, like, don't get me wrong, she is swinging for the fences. And I love every second of it. I think this is exactly the sort of Doctor Who alien that I love. It's, like, completely over the top. Um, and and I, said, <laughs> I said this on Twitter earlier in the week, but I, I nothing makes me smile more in this world. Uh, very few things make me smile more in this world than like a, a ridiculous looking alien just hissing doctor you know like i just i just love doctor. it it speaks to me yeah yes you will die doctor you know oh it's great it's so Your good a child um, is lit up with you. yeah it just reminds me of the classic series it's just so perfect and she's having so much fun and the thing is there's all sorts of nuance and believe it or not there is actually a lot of nuance in this performance like this could just be at 11 the whole time and it's not and Mm. it's so good because of it and if you want to see if you want a point of comparison all you have to do is go back and watch the runaway bride and watch the rachnos queen in that episode yeah she's full on that is a one note performance Mm. like like it's fun it's a lot of fun but holy crap is it night and day in terms of you know that's a full pantomime performance this is a performance like it's it's a big broad silly performance but she's doing stuff well also because i think the scythra being scavengers there's a certain amount of probably inbuilt uh that you can work with as an actor going our race is a bit shit we are a bit crap (laughs) we can't do stuff for ourselves but it's okay because we're awesome and we make other people do it, which makes us better. So there's a sort of inherent um, 
uh, logic to the character, yeah, yeah, like or a bit of a self-esteem issue where it's like you compensate overcompensating for your own, you know, crapness. Absolutely, and she's she's smart. She's not stupid. It's not just some big bellowing alien. Like she she's cunning, in a in a way that is very interesting. You know, to the point where like she's tricked because she thinks she's outsmarted the doctor. Um, at the end. Yeah, run, the that, by, sort of run that through her. me again, because I feel like I've forgotten already. <laughs> <laughs> so the Doctor, and this is, the, again, like, this is the thing, the Doctor defeats the, the alien by being clever, uh, which is very, very good, uh, and should always happen, and often doesn't, unfortunately. Mm. But uh, she tricks the, the Scythra Queen into picking up the transporter device by thinking that, you know, she, like, the Doctor's trying to trick her like she did the first time, and she's like, did you think the same trick would work on me twice? And then she picks it up and the doctor's like, no, I just wanted to distract you. And then clicks the button and, and off they go. Um, you know, and, and yeah, it's great. Like, like she thinks she's outsmarted the doctor, but the doctor's actually outsmarted her. Yeah. And, and that's, that's kind of a, a very key doctor thing, isn't it? It's, yeah. It's, oh, it's so, it's so essential. And yeah. it's amazing how many episodes this season have forgotten that. Mm. Like the doctor wins by being the smartest person, not the not the one with the biggest gun or the most ruthless. Like, like yeah. it's always because they're the smartest person in the room. Yeah. Uh, I must admit, I feel like I have forgotten the resolution of the episode. They used, <laughs> how did they, how did they fight off? Cause the, the doctor was trying to stop, um, and Tesla, they were trying to stop the Scythra queen, but then yes. everyone else was trying to hold off the scorpions at the gate. So the, the little drone scorpions came down to try to get them. And the Tartar shields were keeping them out. Yes. But then the Scythra Queen came down. So they had to sort of let them in because their whole plan hinged on the fact that she would be up in the ship. That's right, yeah. And they would be able to destroy her and therefore that would destroy all the all the drones. Yes. Right. So once she was down on the ship, because the plans went to the window. Yeah, because they're all linked, and you take out the queen bee, and That's you right. take out them. But I mean, it's still the doctor planning to destroy another species, which also. It is, and 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 that, that's the thing. Like Chibnall writes a very ruthless doctor. Like at the at like he didn't he didn't write this episode, but his doctor is always, and even even in the episodes that he wrote under other eras, like his doctor is always quite ruthless. Like. They will always give someone a chance, and then once that chance is done, the Doctor will actively work to destroy them, mm. um, which I don't necessarily like. Yeah, well, I remember um, in the very first Christopher Eccleston series, uh, do you remember when they had the uh, Raxacora cephalopatorius? Oh, well done, yes. Or the Slovene. The Slovene. Uh, and that one of them became an egg, and they took her back. They were like, no, no, yes. no. Um, they've reverted back to an egg state and we should take them back so they can grow up and be different. Yeah. Like, that's a very generous, you know... Yeah, no, wanting absolutely. ...wanting to preserve life. And the Doctor's so obsessed with life and crazy things and crazy creatures. And then we'll yeah, be like, exactly. yeah, okay, I'll just... Um, I'm taking you out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, it's not entirely out of character because other other versions... I mean, Eleven was famously um, pretty ruthless at times. Yeah, and like stuff and, burn. And Ten, like... Mm. At times... Well, he let the was... Ragnos Queen burn, didn't he? He did, yeah. yeah. I went back and watched the Ragnos stuff, and he's he killed all of her babies, right? Like, like her babies were hatching from deep in the earth. Yes, that's and right. And he drowned them all, like thousands of them. So he, 
Doc, the doctor killed thousands of babies. Now, sure, they were gross spider babies, but <laughs> that's never been a point of distinction for the doctor. You know, and so that's kind of it's like uh, it's, I guess in that respect it is in character, but it just seems like Chibnall's version of the Doctor gives someone one chance, like says, "Hey, you could be better than this. Don't do it." And then if they keep going, she will actively work to destroy them, which feels weird. Did Chibnall write the, uh, or did Moffat write? I think it was a Moffat one. Uh, the the nineteen seventeen World War One. One with Martha Jones, where he was the John Smith, and he had the memory cloak on, and no, 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 that, that was um, that was uh, oh god, I've forgotten their name. I want to say Chris Cornell, but that's not that's not the he wasn't that's not his name. Singer, he was, he's a singer, yes, yes. From uh, but but it, no. it was written by yeah yeah he, it was written by uh, a different writer who actually was adapting his own novel. Um, so he wrote a Doctor Who novel featuring the the Eighth Doctor, I think. Um, and actually uh, adapted for the show for the 10th. Uh, so, uh, adaptation. Paul, yeah, Cornell, Paul Cornell? That's yes. the one that reminds yeah. me, that's the one that reminds me most of the Doctor being like, no mercy. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember, you know, when I first saw that, I was like, that's badass. And and I guess, like, that's the thing. Like, he, he sort of, I've, I've changed my mind on it quite a bit over the years, but having said that, it's still a cool thing where he sort of comes up with an ironic punishment for each of the, the member of the family of blood, Yes. Who, like, like were, they were chasing him, and he was trying to get away, and they thought that he was getting away because he was scared. And the point of the episode is, no, 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 he was trying to spare you. Like, if you keep coming at him, eventually he's going to do something about you, and it's not going to be nice for you. Mm. Um, and you know, he was being kind. He was trying to trying to get away, but when they forced his hand, he was like, okay, I'm done. And so, like, he 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 trapped one in a black hole. He trapped the little girl in the mirror. Yes. Um, and made he one like, a scarecrow. Yeah, the the main the main sort of guy. He made a scarecrow and put him put him in. He suspended him in time and set him to watch over the fields of England. Yes, and he's and, the one who then turned up as uh, Viserys Targaryen in Game of Thrones. Yes, exactly. Yes. Always a link. Always, always a link. Always get it back there. You know what? Can I just but, um, um, yeah. can I just throw in a bit of a show reference here? So we sure. have a we have a part in the show where when we first did it, we we have a part where. Um, the audience is sort of freaking out and we give them cards to say uh, because it's it's speed and they're panicking and we get a few involved by giving them cards. And traditionally we had this card because we have like, uh, oh no, I've got a wife and kids. I've got two wives and kids. I've got many cats. Oh. And then one person, when we first did it, it was in 2015. So the line was, I still haven't seen the end of Breaking Bad. And now <laughs> given that we've sort of moved on five years, we can oh, like, update okay. that to mm -hmm. I still haven't seen the end of Game of Thrones. And several times, uh, people generally people laugh at it, but several times I've heard some people go, don't bother, or <laughs> no, don't do it. <laughs> and I've been Actually, offended. I've been offended. Well, yeah, I mean, like, I, I was talking to someone about this the other day. It's astonishing how how badly that final season affected, like, just the general pop culture sentiment towards Game of Thrones because it was massively so. Massively it was so. the it was the biggest and, show in the world and unfairly, and, I think. Oh uh, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, like, like if you like, it's the it's six episodes of what was basically like you know for for at least four and a half seasons like the best show on television, and then after that, still pretty good. And you know, then like it it has 
after that final episode ended, there was a period of about a week or so, maybe two weeks, where there was still quite a lot of frenzy because there was a lot of stuff about, you know, uh, you know, redo the show. Oh, we'll, we'll raise money and you can redo the last season and all that oh, sort of God, thing. Oh, God, that thing. That sort of ridiculous bullshit. But then after that, after that sort of last little flurry of, of fan talk, it has utterly and completely dropped off the pop culture cliff. Yeah. Like, no one talks about Game of Thrones anymore, except although, for tragedies like you and me. Peter Dinklage, I think, just won a SAG award for playing Tyrion. Yeah, but but imagine that, because the thing is, like, they they had the Emmys pretty much, like, a few months after the last episode of Game of Thrones, and it got a couple of nominations. But you think, this is Game of Thrones, yeah. right? Like, it's one of the... It, it, it was the zeitgeist television of its time. And the last season is where you do the victory lap, yes. where you give everyone an award because they've done good work and, you know, like like you want to honour what the show was. You're not necessarily giving them awards specifically for that season, but you're giving them you're giving them the the thing. It's why uh, Return of the King is the uh, Lord of the Rings movie with all the Oscars because they were waiting. They, they were waiting for the end to sort of be like, okay, we're giving this to you for all three movies. Mm. Right, even though Fellowship is objectively the best movie, you know, um, Return of the King has eleven Oscars. Yes, and that's because they were giving it to him for the trilogy. Everyone was getting awards for all three movies. There was no like there was. I think Peter Dinklage got nominated, but didn't or he won an, an Emmy. I don't think he did. No, he didn't. He didn't win. Um, and the, I don't think the show like it only it got like one or two nominations, let alone wins, mm. and that's insane for a show for a show that big, you know, and that zeitgeist defining as Game of Thrones to whiff it so hard on the final on the final six episodes that everyone sort of went, yeah, nah, we're not we're not awarding that. <laughs> <That's> not, <laughs> It's like, oh boy, that's uh, that's that's really rough. Yeah, it's really, it's so strange. It's it's strange and disappointing. Yeah. Um, I understand why it happened, but it is fascinating to see it play out. Where who's talking about Game of Thrones anymore? You know what I mean? Like no one. Like, like I I worry that that show is going to actually like weirdly slip out of the public consciousness just because the ending is considered to be so bad. Yeah, and and it's like everyone will sort of go. We were just in a weird fantasy spell. We were yeah, under yeah, a spell, we, and now it's been broken, yeah. and we don't care mm-hmm. anymore, and we don't want fantasy anymore. And then I noticed that, um, and again, maybe we're dipping too quickly into pop culture corner, but you were tweeting this week about how they've put off the next the prequel series. Yes, well, I mean, this is the thing. So that they had um, a pilot, like they had they had a pilot cast and in the can. Um, for what would have been the Long Night, so about a, you know two thousand years before Game of Thrones, uh, the building of the wall and the battle, the the original battle against the White Walkers, and that did not get picked up. Uh, and instead, what they did was they announced that there would be uh, a a series called Fire and Blood based on the Targaryens mm-hmm. and based on a book that is out. And that and that's the the HBO executives have sort of come out publicly and said. Yeah, look, you know, that pilot was good. Um, or they actually didn't say that. They they said, look, you know, uh, Jane Espenson, who is the the writer and showrunner, who would have been the writer and showrunner of The Long Night, 
you know, they're like, you know, she took on a very ambitious target and you sort of get all this language that sort of suggests to you that they don't think that pilot was very good, that they looked at it and they're like, I don't like this. It's not, it doesn't feel Game of Thronesy. Mm. Um, you know, whether it was any good or not, they're obviously trying to get that Game of Thrones sort of feeling. And so they've gone instead for the basically Targaryen origins. Like, so the, the Targaryens at their height in old Valyria, uh, before the doom and, you know, and obviously amongst them will be the, uh, the Targaryens and they will, yeah, so, so, you know, in old Valyria, so in all the, all of the, 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 the noble houses of Valyria and among them will be this small scrappy little house called the Targaryens who, uh, one of their members has a vision and of, of destruction and they decide to move away. Uh, but you know, there will be, yeah. So, so you have like big houses and they have dragons straight away. So you have dragons in there, like magic, but it's still like houses politically jockeying with each other. So it's very game of thronesy, mm. but as you've sort of said, like they won't, they won't be, uh, the news has come through. They won't be, that won't be on screen until 2022. Yeah. Right. So they, time. they had a show, they had a game of Thrones show ready to go. They had a pilot shot a cast ready to run and they said, no, thank you. We'd rather wait two years. And you wonder whether that's because they want to put some distance between the ending of game of Thrones and the start of this next show, maybe a bit nostalgic for it. Or they'll quietly shelve it in the intervening time. Yeah, maybe, maybe. And it won't Um, happen. And it just won't happen that they'll get a couple of scripts through and they'll just sort of say, Oh no, thank you. We'll, we'll move to something else. Which yeah. is so insane because for so long they wanted to get Game of Thrones to keep going. They wanted it to keep coming out. They were throwing money at the production and the production was basically saying, look, if we keep making this show, someone's going to literally die. Like we, we can't keep pushing our crew and our cast yeah. any further than we already have. That's you get right. six episodes and that's it. And as a result, those six episodes kind of aren't great. They have their moments. There are some incredible moments in there. Um, the writing really lets it down, and yeah, I mean, look, we're not going to relitigate Game of Thrones. We have an entire podcast <laughs> for that, but you know, like, like I, we all I know, we all know the debacle of the, the last season. Sometime when I come, when I, uh, you know, come back, I want to rewatch it again because I haven't delved back in, and I do. Want we to should definitely do that once uh, Doctor Who ends. So that should yeah. be also a little mid mid project. Because it was all the, you know, the excitement of the final season and we were doing live shows and... Yeah, was, which were great. Yeah. <laughs> it was, but, it was the best fun. Uh, and, I, you know, I was watching, I watched all the episodes in a small room at Foxtel in Sydney, so... Everyone <laughs> most, drink? Most of them, everyone drink. Uh, so it was just totally a different watching environment. So it would be interesting to go back and sit in my jammies and watch them again. But anyway, Absolutely, back yeah. to Doctor Who. Uh. (laughs) Um, I basically finished my list we've already talked about the returning actors and I just at the very end I had a note about the music because I got into a bit of an argument with uh, Dan Beeston from the Smart Enough to Know Better podcast friend of the show friend of mine Uh, hello Dan if you're listening Um, but he he insists that at the climax of the episode there's a little musical callback to the 11th Doctor and I say no I think I, I saw know. this on Twitter, but I haven't have had the ability to go and look it up and listen. If you, so. yeah. So I mean, if you if you're playing along at home, um, cue up the the 
the final confrontation with the Ragnos, uh, not the Ragnos, the Skithra, <laughs> the Skithra hey, Queen. Hey. hey, they're very different, very <laughs> exactly. unique villains. Dan says that if you listen from 47 minutes and 10 seconds in the episode, so between sort of 47.10 and 47.20, apparently the the base is the, the same sort of baseline to I Am The Doctor, which was the 11th theme. Which is that? Yeah, it's so good. It's it's the best theme that the show has done so far. It's really amazing. It's astonishing. I love that theme so much. I wish they'd kept it. They 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 kept bringing it back. Like because Murray Gold was doing the score for the Twelfth Doctor, and he kept sort of layering it in. But of course the the composer of the episodes now is completely different. Yes. And he has not been reusing the old themes, mm. which means that I, I basically just think, I don't think that this is a callback. I think it's just a generic, like exciting music sort of sound that happens to sound a bit like it. Dan is convinced that it's a callback. So, I mean, have a listen and see what, see what you think. It's from 47 minutes and 10 seconds in the episode on, on I, on iPlayer. So ABC iView. All right. Uh, I will go and have back. a listen. Yeah. <laughs> You, you and not, not as you don't have to, Natalie. I'm not telling you what to no, do. No, no, but, no. I will. Uh, I will. Anyone, anyone listening who wants to check it out, apparently that's it. It's it's the confront the final confrontation uh, between the Doctor and and the the Skithra Queen. It is so, sad that they're not reusing that, but I suppose if you've got a new composer, they want to put their mark on it, yeah. and maybe they will come up with something as good. Well, this is the thing. The Thirteenth Doctor apparently has a theme, and I've listened to it, and it's very nice. I've never heard it during the show, <laughs> so. Oh. Yeah, if you look up online, like like the music's online, it's on YouTube and places. Like like the Thirteenth Doctor has a theme. It's a very nice theme. It's very it's very sort of exciting and whimsical. I've never noticed it during an episode. So take from that what you will. Mm, anyway, distinctive. Because I yeah. feel like those, you know, like the rose theme, the ah. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. Well, that's know. that's sort of the, became the the show's. And shorthand for some mystical time lord shit's going down yes yes and martha had a theme too which i remember being quite yeah. fun, but i just can't think of it off and the top amy of my head. amy has amy has a really good theme it's mm. that it's that sort of trippy piano sort of uh one you, you'll know it as soon as you hear it it's throughout all of the 11th doctor's time um but yeah amy amy has like this this very uh whimsical sort of magical fairy tale theme which is very cool as well uh, the music for this show is great. <laughs> I really like yeah. it. And, and the thing is, I do like the music for this new era. It's just doing a different thing. It, it's being more sort of, uh, you know, uh, I want to say diegetic, but it, it's being sort of uh, more sort of unobtrusive uh, in the so. sense that, yeah. Well, like Murray Gold was often criticized for being a bit over the top as a composer. And I never, I never felt that. I really liked it's the score. That's right, exactly. But having said that, this current <laughs> composer is definitely pulling back and making the music serve the episodes in more of these cases, which right. is fine. That that's just a different approach. And he also uses a lot more sort of electronic um, sort of stuff, which is great. Like you know, they, that probably should have been in there a bit a bit more. Murray Gold was very a very traditional sort of composer. He used a lot of traditional instruments. But uh, I have this to new say, era sort of used yeah. Uh, just to interrupt you, but the, I just don't, and maybe it's just, again, maybe I'm just getting old, but those, that orchestral, you know, with the violins and, you know, of, of the Christopher Eccleston, David Tennant era, 
um, it's just so much more distinctive in my mind that when I hear the new theme and it's got that bass <laughs> and whatnot, but it just doesn't seem to have the same epicness as that first one. Uh, no, that's right. Yeah. And I, I mean, I like the, I mean, the thing is like Doctor Who was actually weirdly at the forefront of electronic music. Like it's theme. Yeah, of course. We've talked about this before. Like, you know, the, the BBC radiophonic workshop, like created that theme out of like a, a, a sine wave oscillator and stuff like that. Like it, it, it used electronic music. It was among the first, you know, things to use electronic music. So in many ways, it was sort of the, at the forefront of a lot of that stuff. It was pushing innovation. So I don't mind that element to the music. But yeah, I mean, the current theme, not my favorite. <laughs> and the current, like, normally they grow on me. Like, normally I hear it once and I'm like, oh, you, you've changed the theme. I don't like it. But, you know, it definitely, uh, normally I'll come around on these things, but I really haven't on this one. It's just sort of like, oh, okay, yep. Maybe if the episodes were better. <laughs> <laughs> but thankfully, we got it. We got a good one this time. It was a yeah. good episode. It was solid. Lots of stuff for everyone good. to do. It was good. Um, would you like me to seek out the opinion of one Gregoire from the Smart oh, yes. Not To Know Better podcast? Because I'm so happy he's here because he was so down last week. and I He really was very to down last week. week. He was in yes. a real funk all week uh, <laughs> because of that episode. You know, well, I hope this can... I hope this lifted him out of his funk. Because... Let's see what he thinks. I'll, yeah. I'll pass him over. Welcome back to I Can Has Opinions with Gregoire. <laughs> uh, hello, Greg. Are you feeling better this week? I am feeling better this week. That was a that was a, a a decent episode. Yes. Yes. I'm so I'm so happy you are because you, you sounded you sounded very very done with the show last week. And... I, <laughs> yeah. I, look, I'm not. I'm not away from that yet. Let me, let me just say, one, ep <laughs> one episode does not pull me back totally from the precipice. Well, that's uh, true. Um, no, but it, it was fun. It was good. Uh, very quickly, because I don't want to go over the stuff you talked about. I enjoyed it. It was all fun for the reasons you think it's fun to call it Tesla, blah, blah, blah. Um, I even like the fact that Edison wasn't, uh, A, the villain. I'm really yeah. glad he wasn't yeah. the villain. Uh, he was a prick, but also he worked with them. And they seem to have an accord at the end. Like, come work for me again. And we may see that as, you know, he's just going to exploit it again. And you can read that into it. But you can also go, oh, he was a man with a different way of looking at it. And he's not a literal villain. Like, he's... Because um, I think we blow that up. But in, in nerd culture, we kind of go, Nikola Tesla was Jesus. And Thomas Edison was <laughs> yes, the yes. literal devil. And you go, I don't know. It sounds like Tesla was a bit of an idiot in his own way. As in... He was clever, but he couldn't do business. And... Well, he was a, he was a difficult man. Yes. No. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah. He's equally problematic in many ways. Yeah, just he just yeah he just wasn't he wasn't a capitalist as much as um, as Edison. I I was I'm amused that they've got to you've got to force in a plucky female companion of some sort. Oh, it, but like like I said to, like I said to Nat, and you you probably heard, but I mean like I, I I thought that was really interesting because it sort of mirrors the Doctor and her companions. Like he had his own assistant. Yes, yeah, that's true. And what was funny was she, I did think that, that yes, that is and right. And she existed. She's actually she's actually a real. person. Oh, there you go. Oh, then I I take it back. Then last time last week I was maligning an old man for dying, and this week I'm pretending that woman <laughs> didn't exist. So. Uh, I thought she was actually more useful as a companion than the companions. So that's nice. Yeah, well, oh, I wanted to go. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Jettison, these dead weight that you've got, and get this plucky lady, and she's yeah, great. Yeah. Like last time you met this plucky lady who was like, I'm going to shoot the master with a machine gun in the past. And I was, <laughs> oh no, 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 sorry, that was two episodes ago. 
Uh, and I was like, get her. She used a machine gun in the past. Because yes. uh, like, she doesn't have to be tall. Like, hey, fam, do something. Once again, the doctor... <laughs> I, I, actually, I, I don't want to claim this is my own idea. This, is, this comes from Dan, our, my co-host on the on the podcast, and his theory is that the thirteenth Doctor is actually a true psychopath. So he thinks that she is, or at least a sociopath. He thinks that she doesn't actually understand human emotion. She regenerated and doesn't understand it at all. But she remembers having like a cute blonde and a dark skinned lady and Donna, <laughs> and and she doesn't. And Wilf, I guess. Like... And yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, oh, I used to have these these people, and they seem to do. St- I can't remember why. I don't remember why I kept them, but I seem to always have them in all my lives. So I better gather more of them. Yeah, yeah I better gather that little group of people. Yeah, I mean she... that's yeah that that's obvi- that's obviously not what the show is doing. No, but no, no, said no. That, the show is like but, but leaving theory, that open as a possibility. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, his, his his evidence is, and then throws them into hideous danger without oh, yeah, a second yeah. thought for their life, or the fact that they're all vague idiots. They've all had brain injuries, or that the uh, or that the TARDIS has uh, the oxygen set too low, and so the Doctor can survive it because you know she's she's got two hearts and is pumping around the system, but the humans are just slowly getting um, asphyxiated over time because they behave <laughs> like fools. Um, yeah, that's, that's my, that's not, not my theory. Don't blame me. Don't at me. No, fair uh, enough, fair enough. But yeah, um, no, it, was, it was fun. It was a fun episode. I, I'm being down and it was fun. They used the technology. Uh, they had fun. Yeah, they, and again, like, like yeah. I'd, be, I'd be interested to see uh, your sort of take on this because my take is that this is a very solid, very fun episode of Doctor Who. It's not, it, it shouldn't be an all-time classic. But I feel like it's going to be because this is easily the best episode of the 13th Doctor, Doctor's tenure so far. Yes. Yeah. Well, the only thing that's better than this one is the frog at the end of, um, I can't remember the name of the episode. But it, you, you, it takes you away. It takes you away. And it takes you away is a good episode, too. I mean, it's that is, yeah, actually, yeah, you're right. That, that is a good episode. And it's it's very weird, which I quite yes. like. Yes, that's right. Yes. And it had, it had sort of odd, it had Doctor Who bits running through corridors in dark places, you know, in caves and, mm. and all sorts of weird stuff. But anyway. Uh, but yeah. the, the, weird thing, the weird thing that I will say that you, you probably know this, and I don't know whether we talked about it last week, but It Takes You Away was written by Ed Heim, who wrote Orphan 55. Yeah, God. Yeah, so I mean, you know, swings and look, swings and roundabouts, yeah, I guess. Look, it's, it's it's true what they say. You've got one good story in you. That's all I'm going to say yeah. about that. Yeah, it, ha- it uh, happened to Neil Gaiman, and if yeah, it happened yeah. to Neil Gaiman, it'll yeah. happen to everyone else. Yeah, that's. <laughs> well, I well the Neil Gaiman thing I've read that that he got hamstrung. He went, I want to do a <laughs> Cyberman yeah. story, and then they were like, Oh, you have to do it this way. It has to fit in here, and, he, and he's like, Oh, okay, fine. And he, yeah. he's, he's he's a good writer who got he's, told. He is he is very bitter about his ex, his experience of his second episode. He says, yes. it, mm. and which sounds like you know a little bit like oh the writer the writer's being very precious, but like the way he tells it, like he got very severely done. Mm. But yeah, no. well, I mean, let's face it. He did the, the Doctor's Wife, which was one of the all-time best episodes ever. One of the all-time best. And, yeah, and just blew everything away and just made you cry and laugh, and it was amazing. And yet, see, and he's Neil Gaiman, for God's sake. Yeah, I mean, he knows how to write stuff. <laughs> he's so... written one or two good stories. Yeah, yeah, anyway. That, yes, it's fine. Look, I, I, as you said, it's, this shouldn't be, we shouldn't be high rating it. That's why I went, it was good. It was good. It was, it was a, it was a, I, I want to say the word bog standard, which sounds negative, but I don't mean that. You go, this is what Doctor Who should be. This is what we should yes. just get every week, week after week. We should just get a, 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 a oh God, it sounds so negative. A middle of the road, 
fun episode <laughs> of Doctor Who. I don't mean, I don't mean it negatively. I mean it. That's this is where the level should be. That should no, be absolutely. the base yeah. level. This should be um, the base. This shouldn't be the the, the high watermark. This no, should be not, the not even... standard. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, so yes. Yeah, so so let's just say that that my toes are no longer cresting cresting the edge of the cliff. I've pulled back slightly. I've, I'm leaning back, considering my options. But and hey, I'm, I'm ready to jump at any moment. Favorite uh, space rhinos, the Jaduna back. You're excited <laughs> about that, right? <laughs> look, look, why not? <laughs> uh, I love the chip has gone from we're, we're uh, not bringing any classic monsters back to yeah we're going to bring the space rhinos back you guys like them right I have this horrible feeling it's because they were down in the basement sure. and, and yep. the costumes they have the I mean. costumes yeah. and they went look look Chibnall, we're not giving you any more goddamn money and he goes oh no 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 I want to do, I want to do all new things he's like no 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 you can use the um rhino guys and he's like oh what have we got what have we got in the in the costume Mm. covered um so you can't do you can't do anything that requires actors to get into makeup yeah but these things are just big rubber heads so you can you can get on there that's fine we'll we'll take the rachnos queen and we'll cut it down a bit and you won't give the cg for the rachnos queen yeah and and she'll be she'll be bipedal for some reason oh that look don't even don't even get me now you got me angry Uh, (laughs) and see that's the thing this is what i was saying (laughs) to natalie like that that's the it's that sort of thing that takes it down a yeah. little bit where it's yeah. like, oh, there's just a few little janky things around the edges, but then it's so good otherwise that I'm yeah. just like, cool, great, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, I, I, now I'm going to just point out how horribly sexist I am. Oh, I don't know if you mentioned yes. this. When when um, there was a shot of Nikola Tesla in the TARDIS looking pensively at the control panel, and I went, uh, yes. yes, please. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, please. Yeah. That's what I want. I, I'm a horror. We haven't got those shots of Jodie Whittaker. Yes, and that's right. It, I just, we but haven't the... had those shots. Yes, and, and just and just like I was like, oh, I, 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 and also I, I, I don't hate women, period. but I want that. I want that in my TARDIS. I want yeah, that in my exactly. TARDIS. <laughs> yeah, we don't. We haven't got those shots of Jodie Whittaker. We've got them with every other Doctor, mm. and the show hasn't done it where she's just sort of on the the flight deck at the console sort of looking at something mm. you know the weight the weight of the universe on her shoulders like we haven't gotten those moments mm. Mm. and also that blue interior they should have been doing that from the start oh yes that looks yeah. really good and yep. really turned me around on that tardis interior um i don't know why they've been going with the orange mm. um but they should stop that and go to blue <laughs> because it's very good they can, yeah, they can change the LEDs now, which is funny. They've up, yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. literally updated the Atardis between the seasons. Yes. And now they can do colors. They're, what they do, they said they you either have orange columns with blue sigils, or you have the other color way around, blue with orange sigils. Blue so, with orange looks really good, it, and they should does. stick to that. And I love the fact they've added not round things, but hexagon things on the walls. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And so you just get the, the the companion sitting next to hexagon things, and I'm like, ooh, that looks spacey and weird, and hmm. it, it could be technology, it could be a wall, who knows? Uh, yeah, with, no, with in, infinite space, almost the idea of yes, the 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 control, the flight deck is small because it's a small set, but they've got black behind it, so it could be infinite, like, as in... Yes, you, yeah, 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 it could be much bigger than you think. Yeah, but you, 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 if you stepped around it and kept walking, you might just walk into the dark. You, who knows how long you'll be walking. Uh, there's implications now of... Because that's the thing, once again, I said last time, the 11th Doctor's, the the, um, the TARDIS, the 11th Doctor, before it changed into the more grey one, uh, was expansive and weird, and there were steps going up and steps going down, and two levels, or three levels, yeah. in fact, and it felt like an infinite machine not a tiny pokey room in the BBC basement. <laughs> uh, 
Well, actually, having said that, can I, can I say, I think that Eleven's second TARDIS and the one that Capaldi had for all of his tenure, I, that's my favourite design of all the new ones. Well, you know, it's it's okay to be wrong occasionally. So, so. <laughs> I just think it looks more like a like a ship. Yeah, it looks more like a. Not... It looks more, every all the other ones look all weird and quirky and and strange, and I think that yeah. one that one looks more like it's a it's a ship. It's a vessel. Yeah, that's fair enough. I what and that's I, I it grew on me when, when the Doctor first turns up. I think when he first no he meets um he's in the snowman with Clara. yes yeah and I was he, like it has that very cool shot actually where she runs into the TARDIS mm. which they hadn't really done before and it's this very cool thing the whole room lights up and mm. he's like this is the TARDIS and it's mine and I'm yes. like oh that's very good yeah I um I must admit I I became the Doctor at that point and went oh you've redecorated. I don't, I don't like, like it. <laughs> I don't like it. I really was. I really was. I crossed my hands like, no, you took that's my really face. That's interesting because <laughs> the, all of the other rooms, all of the other uh, uh, flight rooms hmm. have grown on me over the years. And hmm. this one has not. I still think it looks like it looks bad hmm. and it doesn't fit this doctor. Yep. Um, yeah. And that the first time that I sort of warmed to it a little bit was that shot of Tesla standing on the deck <laughs> with all blue. Yes. Um, yep. I think that looks really good, and I think they should have been doing that from the start. And I just hate those big crystal columns. They look mm. real bad. They look, like, they look plastic. They look plastic. Yeah, they, they look And fake. the column like is, is like a, a crystal. <laughs> and it kind of, yeah, goes up and down. I'm like, why oh, is that the giant central, cri- oh, yeah, why the is central crystal? column being a crystal? I yeah. hate it. And, and, but it doesn't look like a real crystal. It looks like a plastic Copy yes, of a crystal. because it goes up and down, but it, but it, because it's the BBC, it's yeah. kind of wobbling and stuff yeah, as it yes. goes up and down. I don't yeah. like it. No, all. I don't like it. No, that's right. Bad. I um I I think we just jump back with the eleventh Doctor one. It, why I like that one more is because it fits into the, the idea that the Doctor it's a fairy tale. It's not a it's yeah, not a sh- it, it, he's, a, he's a fairy tale hero. He's Willy Wonka. He's yeah. Willy Wonka. Yeah, and he lives in this massive castle in the sky sort of thing. And yeah, that's I think it's what always got me about it. That, that's I like that eleventh Doctor thing. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I, this Tardis it, no it hasn't grown on me either. Uh, but I, I, there's things about it as I said before which I don't mind. It, it's it, I just. What I wish they'd done is they, they kind of promised something with this Doctor right back in the first episode when she regenerates, and she makes a new sonic screwdriver. And yeah. I went, oh, she's a Tinker Doctor. Oh, I like this. And she's a steampunk, tinkery Doctor. She's going to make stuff, and she's constantly going to be building things. And so therefore, in my mind, the TARDIS was going to be something she was cannibalizing all the time and remaking and, and like adding bits and pieces. I mean, sure. constantly hanging upside down from trapezes. And we sort of saw the 11th Doctor do it a bit, fixing things and yeah. and being a Doctor who's hands-on and making... But she's not. They just went, she made a thing. She made a screwdriver, and now she, we, nah, she, we're done with that. She referenced it. She went, I made it out of tin foil and blah and, and they, we... they do so much they do so much and you pointed it out last week and it's very true they do a lot of uh business in a lot of episodes where they get teleported away mm. right wouldn't it be more better and and way more better but like wouldn't it be better <laughs> and also like way more in character for the doctor to have been tinkering with the tardis and broke something yes yes and part of it and part of the the, the tension is that can she get the tardis repaired in time Yep. To like save her friends. Yeah, you know? she's like, wouldn't she's, that be better? She's like, especially the com- the comedy of it all. Uh, yeah. you know, of, of going, oh, don't worry, I'm just fixing the the flamingulator. Is that what's that mean? Oh, nothing. Oh, oh nothing. I've just and, got to press this button. Yeah, Sparks fly. But, oh, yeah. oh, might be a bit longer. It's like, and and uh, is, are we in danger, Doctor? I don't know. Just being turned inside out, uh, dangerous. <laughs> Whoa, da 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 da. da you know? 
and off it goes and and, and you uh-huh. and you, and everyone just everyone's like, oh, doctor, you've done it again. And it's it's not that she puts people into danger because she's because she's absent-minded tinkerer, not because she's evil or a psychopath. Or... <laughs> yes, or seemingly unfeeling for the feeling yes. for the danger of others. And and also maybe it's just the TARDIS taking where she needs to go because the TARDIS exactly. can do that. So you yeah. don't know. She can say that she goes, I don't think I am messing you around this badly. Are you are you are you doing this on purpose, old girl? And like, whoop, whoop, whoop. don't you talk to me like that? You know, it's that kind of. <laughs> but there's not, there's nothing like that. There's nothing. Uh, even doing things, and we talked about this on Twitter a bit. I made the joke about the columns change color. You know, mm. they, they turn chartreuse. You, oh my God, chartreuse alerts! Just have some. <laughs> it, it, if she's a, yes. and, and what's a chartreuse alert? Oh, you don't know the international language for, for you know color. You know, just yeah, silliness. Well, I, I, just, I was going to say to you um, when we were talking earlier, like just the the. It's established in Doctor Who that, like, purple is the intergalactic sign for distress or yes, something like that. Yes, you know, yes, stuff yes. like that. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah, bring things back. And they're not frightened. Like, with the Master Contact, they're not frightened to bring you back old stuff. Mm, so Absolutely. Just, I, and this is the thing, we're two fanboys going, we could write it better. But we could write it better, Stu. <laughs> I think we maybe could. But think, having said that, that could just be my giant ego getting in the way. No, no, but, and look, I, look I, I would stand by that. I just... It can't get any worse, surely. Uh, it, even if no, just, it can't I, get worse than Orphan 55. That's well, right. well, that's true. Yeah, look, okay, God, I'm banging it all again. But it's, I just feel like, okay, fine, get someone to write it and then get someone else to read it through who have some ideas about Doctor Who. And I can't write scripts. I'm not a script writer, you know, and I can accept that. But I'm pretty certain I could read through a script and go, oh, you could put this bit in here. You could throw in this fun bit here. You could put a Doctor Who reference here, and then they'd Absolutely. get rid of ninety percent of them, and they'd go, yeah. "Oh, that's really fun. Yeah, thanks for that." And and you, and you just get people who are excited and interested to throw in a joke, or and then later on it can become a, a real thing. Sure, and, and that's what this era of this the show is lacking: is that every single script feels like it needed one more pass. Yes. Yeah. Even the, even this one a little bit, but mm. you know, not not as much as the others, which is why it sort of is fine. Mm. But Every single script feels like it needed just one more pass, just to polish things up, mm. take out extraneous things. Like, you know, there's all sorts of things that happen during production. And honestly, Orphan 55, I would love to know what happened during the making of that of that episode, because it feels like an episode that read fine on paper mm. and then just went completely off the rails. Mm. Like, so much stuff happens in that episode that just makes no sense from a storytelling perspective, like from a script perspective. That I just, I'm just like, did they cobble something together? Did they do reshoots? Like, what even happened there? But anyway, we still we have PTSD. We still have PTSD. I, I really do. <laughs> but, but you know, it, this era of the show does feel like maybe Chris Chibnall is giving the writers their head a little bit too much, and maybe needs to step in a bit more. Mm. Um, which is worrying because the show took a whole calendar year off, mm. uh, off the airwaves to make sure it got this one right. And so far, we've had. An opening two-parter that was fun but had some problems. Mm-hmm. One of the worst episodes the show's ever done, <laughs> yes. and then this episode, which was fine. Which is yeah, that's right. Yeah, fine, which sounds like fine damage, to good. Fine, fine to good, I guess. Fine to good. It, it was yeah. a fun, solid episode of what yes. the show should always be, but very often isn't. <laughs> that's right. So. That's right. Damn it! I just, I just want, I just want, I just want the best TV show. What, what, can, what can I say? Hey, what, what can, can we I, say? What can we say? That's uh, look. I just, uh, hey. BBC, if you're listening, just make the best TV show for me. I'm a 45-year-old man. I deserve a good Doctor Who. That's all I'm saying. I'm not long for this world. All I'm saying is that, like, I I probably only have another 
15 to 20 doctors in me uh you know i really need... <laughs> as in regenerations not episodes yeah, uh, yeah. so yeah you know i just uh i just i wouldn't i just i just want to work on doctor who i just realized that's what i want to do in this world you should <laughs> you I... should throw some spec scripts out there i don't i don't write though <laughs> i just have opinions god damn it how hard i just have it opinions be? apparently it's not hard <laughs> apparently it's not hard but also, I think my problem would be I'd write a script. Here's a script, and some bastard at the BBC would go, "Well, we would change it." But I'd go, "I'll kill you! I will kill you!" And they're like, "Whoa, okay, back <laughs> I'll up!" I'll come here. to your house and murder you. Yeah, that's right. This is genius. I just um, anyway, yeah. <sighs> I shouldn't be so dismissive. Making television is hard. Oh yeah. And uh, I, you know, writing is always more difficult than it looks. So I don't want to. I don't want to sound like one of those shitty fanboys who's like, "Oh, I could do better." Like, obviously, these people are professionals and they're doing the best they can. They don't want yeah. to make a bad show. No, no, that's um, true. But you know, like you must they get did, hamstrung. They did, so you must get hamstrung because you, you you write a script and you're like, "Okay, what happened before? What what are we going to work with?" Oh, the, all three of them are in the TARDIS again with the Doctor. But that uh, can... That, and then those you go, limitations can really uh, spark some creativity. Do you know what I mean? Like working well, around those limitations is what can make some of the best episodes. Well, for me, like some, I, of the, I, some of the best episodes of the show have been the ones where they're like, okay, we only have the the actor who plays the Doctor for like two days for this one, so write an episode that's mostly without the Doctor. Mm, mm. And so we got Blink. Mm, mm. You know, like we got, um, and you know, uh. Okay, this week the the actor who plays the companion, uh, it's her week off, so mm. we get her for like a day, and then she's not there anymore. So then we get midnight. Mm. You know, yeah. like like working around limitations has produced some of the best episodes this show has done. This is true. I I guess Chibnall, if I was on the writing team, Chibnall would come into my office and go, Greg, um, just got a this is your third script. Like, yes, yes, Chris. Um, <laughs> and another get another uh, your your um. Your script starts again, once again, with the companions are spaced into space and instantly die. Yes, yes, Chris, that's right, yes. Um, ah, well, we have, um, <laughs> like, that, didn't you do that last time? Yes, they instantly died, and the doctor said they could never come back to life because mm. they're dead in time. It's a fixed moment in time. Oh, God, I'm very sad, said the doctor. Let's go have a fun adventure. And <laughs> I need some ice cream, and then she heads to the ice cream planet. And they're like, ah... Yeah, we have to change it. I'll kill you, Chibnall! I'll, I'll kill, kill you. you! And I'm like, why do we hire this guy? He has rage issues. <laughs> but yes, that's that would be... I just... I, I, the only one who may get a reprieve, but he'd end up in a box like um, like uh, Pike in mm. from Star Trek, yes. it, and it would be Graham. But he yeah. would just he would just sit and beep quietly. Beep, <laughs> beep, beep. The doctor I understand, Graham. Beep, beep, and then that'd be it. Then he become a Dalek. See, I'm a genius. Yes, exactly. Beep, beep, ha. Classic Graham. <laughs> uh, okay, with that, I've killed everyone off. I've maligned all professional writers, and I know better than everyone else. So I think it's now time to pass it back to, to your host, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you had a better time this week, and I, I hope <laughs> for your and all our sakes, it continues. Thank you. I pre- Thank you, man. I love the fact it's kind of like a support group. Your podcast is a support <laughs> yeah. group for Greg. Well, like, don't... It's the, the show hasn't been very good recently, but we're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. Like, hi, my name's Greg. It's been... It's been 14 days since a good Doctor Who, uh, and uh, <laughs> we get little badges every time there's a good one. Yeah. All right. 
God, I'm so bitter. I'm out. I'm out. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> Bye. Has Greg broken the podcast? Uh, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> I was. We've decided thinking... to start a, a support group for uh, people who just want the show to be good again. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that called the internet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just have visions of, uh, you know, people at the comic book uh, store in The Simpsons. Going, excuse me, sir. Can you tell me why in episode six of? Uh, I just had a thought of something that I didn't mention earlier, which I think was on my list, but I didn't talk about more. Which was there was a lovely TARDIS moment where Thomas Edison couldn't work out how the TARDIS worked, but Nikola Tesla just, you know, oh yes, the internal dimensions dimensions are more expressive than the external dimensions. Yeah, transcend or transfig something. It was a lovely... It was expressed beautifully. Yes. And the uh, doctor was, like, really excitedly, like, got it in one! Because he's a genius and she's impressed by geniuses. Yes. It's very good. I, I I thought that was very good. Like, he walked in, he was utterly astounded, and then Tesla... Tesla was fascinated, but he was, like, he immediately got it. Like, he gets it. Mm. Um, and, and I don't know whether you heard, but, like, Greg and I sort of bonded over the fact that, you know, it's not, it's not that we don't like Jody as the doctor, it's that you see Tesla sort of standing, standing pensively on the, on the TARDIS deck with all the blue columns. Mm. And it's like, oh, that feels familiar. <laughs> uh, well, yes, I suppose there is something to be said for that genius man theory of, uh, I guess you, it's just what you identify with. Isn't that funny? Well, that, that's true. And as, yeah. I, as I said to Greg, it's, it's only the fact that they haven't given Jody any moment like that. Yes. No, That's like right. th- thirteen hasn't had that shot. As far as I'm aware, people will probably if 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 you're aware if you can remember a moment like that for the thirteenth Doctor. That's like the that every other Doctor has had. Just the Doctor on the deck of the TARDIS, like pensively, sort of thinking about something that's just happened, or with the weight of the universe on their shoulders. Please let me know because I mm. don't think she's really had that moment, and it's kind of crazy. We're like a series and a half into her tenure. Now, speaking of which, do you want to get into? Um, other pop culture stuff. Sure. I can start with the Doctor Who thing. Yeah, start with it. So we found out today, I was doing a quick little sort of whip around just before we did the episode, and Jodie Whittaker's has done an interview saying that she will be the Doctor for at least one more season. Okay. So that's good news, because uh, I quite like her. Some people won't like that, but I think that I think it's good. I think she's a good Doctor. Uh, but yeah, like she was giving an interview and said that she's going to be, uh, at least one more season. So whether that means she's got one more season and then that's it. Um, well, that's what she's contractually signed. Well, that's what she's contractually signed to, signed to do. Um, but she's definitely confirmed that, uh, this season won't be the end for her. She'll be, she'll be around next season as well. So that's good news. Yeah. Uh, no word on whether Graham, Ryan and Yaz will be around. Interesting. So, I wonder, yeah. yeah, well, I wonder if, if maybe changing them because they did they did sort of hint with the first two parter that you know it is impacting their lives a little bit not yeah. not much not wholly but just yeah as anyway if she wants to be a policewoman um maybe she can't be going off on secondment again and again yeah. and again uh and Ryan might find sort of some purpose more purpose to his life or something mm. uh maybe they'll go solve climate change after the doctor's big Well this is it I mean you know week. She told them to do it, so they're obviously yeah. going to go do that. We're all so bitter. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
no, but I think it would be interesting to see uh, Jodie Whittaker's Doctor with other companions to change the dynamic. And yeah, I, I, I can they see that. Instantly <laughs> in just just airlock, air all three of them. Um, I just think, them, I just says. think, uh, you know, it's so interesting. Time lock, and they can never come back to the TARDIS, and we're all very sad for six seconds. But they're fine. They're fine. They're stuck in a moment of time in space, and they can't get back. It, that's how we got rid of the um, the the ponds. So we can do the same with them. It's fine. Yeah, that's true. It's good enough for the ponds. It's good enough for them. Space. It's fine. I can't even remember what happened to the pond. They went to New York in the 30s and the 40s, whatever it was, and could never come home. He could because the, the TARDIS can't land there because the space time screwed up too badly. Oh, until they okay. need them, until until they decide they need Jumanji Lady. Yeah. Back. Oh right. And, until and until they back. decide until they decide uh, until a writer wants to write a story set there and they forget that they've declared yeah. that area limits for all off time. Limits. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> That's a good thing about Doctor Who is declaring things to be no longer accessible and then going, ah, wait. Ah, but if I just reverse the polarity of the neutron flow. I just want to see Amelia Pond uh, trying to mack on to the Doctor, the 13th Doctor now. And the Doctor going, no, 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 no. While Jack watches. This is the whole thing now, isn't it? Stu just suggested River Song. Oh, I'll I'll be in my bunk. (laughs) (laughs) Because, I mean, that's the Doctor's wife. You know, that so the I mean, wife, yes. the song keeps but cropping up. I would love to see Alec Kingston meet uh, Jodie Whittaker. She's dead now, according to the timeline, isn't she? Yeah, I mean, she is, but I mean, I mean, we we saw her final. We, the, Moffat closed that loop, but having said that, we haven't seen every adventure she ever has. True. So you know, yeah, she could I definitely come back. She was going back. in reverse order. I thought that was the whole point that they. It's not. It's not quite reverse. It's, it's basically reverse order. But but yeah. then they. At the very end, they sort of loop back around and they have their final, their final adventure. Um, they have the final adventure with the husbands of River Song, where the Doctor ends up uh, going to the Singing Towers of Triskelion, or I think that's yeah. what it's called, uh, and that they have one one final night together, and of course, night on Triskelion lasts for twenty three years. Ah. So that's what they, <laughs> that's that's the romantic way that they get out of that. Uh, I see. Yes, but um, uh, yes, I mean, like you know, River Song is probably one of the one of the top of the list of of existing characters that I'd love to see interact with this Doctor. Mm-hmm. Captain Jack would be another one; would be an interesting one. Didn't he get some horrible disease gonna... or something recently? Oh, did he? The actor? Yeah, didn't I read that John Barrowman? Oh, that's terrible! Read. I don't, I didn't, I haven't heard that. Uh, I heard that he was sick or in hospital. Oh, that's uh, no good. Because he's he's still kicking around. He's not. Um, oh sure, yeah, absolutely. He's very much so. Uh, yes, he had a mystery illness. Um, uh, oh, mystery illness after cancelling cancelling a show. Uh, needles in his neck, severe neck injury. Oh no. Uh, painful arthritis-like condition. Okay, all right, so it's not super bad. He just had a dodgy neck. Okay, never right. mind me. Still bad. He had to cancel but... a show, so, and had a neck injury. Right, all right. okay. But that's not, you know, earth-shattering. No. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he is, um, it would be interesting, because, I mean, we could definitely touch base with Captain Jack, because, as we all know, he'll keep 
existing throughout the centuries mm. until he eventually becomes a giant head in a jar. For sure. The face of Bo. The face of Bo. Um, one of the sillier things the, the show has ever done, but very good. Yeah, it was uh, fine. It was fine. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Um, so, yeah, yeah. So we're getting, we're getting uh, one, at least one more series of, uh, of the 13th Doctor, which is good. Um, in other uh, pop culture news, yeah. uh, just to sort of uh, put the tail end of the episode together, uh, Picard comes out very soon, the new Star Trek series starring uh, Patrick Stewart reprising his classic character, which... Uh, I thought it was already the first episode had dropped or something. I think, well, if it doesn't drop... I think it drops on the 24th. Oh, okay. Um, that's today. So that's, that's today, uh, but I think it hasn't dropped yet. I did look a bit earlier, um, so obviously it would drop American time, so it probably drops around midday, 1 o'clock, which it is right now, uh, here, but... Um, Not where I am. Not where you are. So still waiting. Still waiting. But um, yeah, so look out for that one. It's dropping very soon. Uh, I, I was hoping it would be out so I could watch it before we did the podcast, but it's not out yet. Ah. Um, but uh, it looks good. I, I think it looks good. It looks interesting. A lot of excitement um, for that, given uh, it's old Patrick Stewart back. Yeah, and like on paper, like when they first announced that they were doing it, I was like, oh god, no! Like, what are you doing? Like, this is the the worst possible thing. You're bringing back like a, a very old actor. To reprise like his his uh, beloved character, this could go wrong in so many different ways. Um, but they seem to have basically got every single next gen person back, okay. uh, or at least a very large amount of them. Like they they seem to be they seem to have gotten like Data's back quite quite famously, uh, except uh, <laughs> aged <laughs> very much aged. I think we we joked previously. I'm an immortal that robot. Yeah, yeah. He's he's had bloatware installed. Um, so <laughs> poor, poor Brent Spider, uh, but you know, just, just the, 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 harsh physical realities of the human body translated to an Android form. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it looks cool. And, and he's got a, he's sort of, a lot of the Borg is in this. Um, seven of nine is in this, uh, Terry, uh, oh God, I've forgotten her name. Um, yeah, but, yeah. uh, seven of nine uh, is, is in it. Jerry? Jerry? Jerry. Yeah. 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 Uh, but, uh, Jerry Russell? No, Jer I don't know why I say. God, Jerry I Ryan. Jerry Ryan, of course. I know that. <laughs> That's in my brain, but I, I couldn't pull it to mind. Um, uh, Seven of Nine is in this, which was a big deal because she was obviously in a different Star Trek series, so they're doing a bit of crossover for this new one, which they totally could because they all exist sort of in the same universe. Um, so it's interesting. It looks it looks interesting. It looks like the Borg are involved, which are a classic uh, next-gen villain. Uh, but it's sort of about a disillusioned Picard, you know, coming to terms with uh, the, what what Starfleet was and what it's become, which sounds like it could be a very interesting premise. Mm. Uh, so no, it, it looks good. I, I I'll report back next week once we've seen an episode. But I think I'm I'm excited at this point. It looks it looks interesting. That's awesome. Well, I'm yeah. very pleased. I've Never watched Star Trek Next Gen, I'm very sorry to say. Oh, ever? Uh, no. No, I've never seen. Oh. Oh, apart from a, a movie that we were mentioning earlier. I think I've yes, seen one yeah, or yeah, two yeah. of the movies. Well, maybe we can do, we can maybe do some uh, highlights and yeah. see if you're into it. I don't know. Or I can try and watch it and give the noob perspective. 
Well, that's true. It's it's yeah. seven seasons, so it's a hell of a. Where's it? Where's it? Where's it being aired? Like, what what channel is doing it? Is it? I think I think or... you can see it. I think you can see it on Netflix. I'm pretty okay. sure they're all up. It's either Netflix or Stan has like all the Star Treks. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah. Awesome. We can we can definitely do it. Uh, but yeah, like Picard looks good. I'm excited. Um, and also, uh, just just yesterday, uh, it was announced. Uh, Patrick Stewart did a very cute thing, where he uh, obviously Whoopi Goldberg was famously uh, on. Uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation as the uh, as the curator of uh, the the local uh, of the mess hall in, in on the Enterprise. I did uh, not know that. Or Guinan, um, she was on there. She she requested to be on the show um, because she is a massive Star Trek fan, and she's a massive Star Trek fan because of Nichelle Nichols, who played Uhura, who was oh, obviously of one of the first like yeah. you know uh, uh, African American, yeah, in a major role on yeah. network television. Um, so she was sort of inspired by uh, Nichelle Nichols, and she loved Star Trek when she was a kid. And she approached uh, the the creators of, of the Next Gen uh, and said, "I want to be on the show." And they were like, "Look, we really don't have like a main role for you." And she's like, "You don't understand. I'll just be like an extra in the background. <laughs> I just want to be on the show." And so they created this character for her, um, and it's lovely. And she plays quite a vital role. She's sort of She's sort of Picard's um, like like bartender in many ways. Like like he will go to her and sort of talk out some dilemma that he's having. Oh. Um, and so she's sort of like his moral his moral compass. Oh. And, and it's really lovely. He goes on uh, the View, which obviously Whoopi Goldberg is hosting now, mm. and he invites her to be on season two of Picard. Oh. And obviously she accepts, and it's a lovely moment. Uh, and so yeah, so so it looks like Whoopi Goldberg as Guinan. Uh, is going to be on season two of Picard, not season one, so we can't see it straight away. Uh, they looked like there were a few tears, like a few, Aww. a few moist eyes. Uh, it was uh, they, they weren't weeping, but like it was obviously a very heartfelt moment. Everyone was very touched. Aww. So, yeah, it's one of those moments that was obviously uh, very well stage managed by yes, several yes. different layers of production and yes. PR, but was actually managed to be quite a human moment for Aww, all that. So it, it was good. It was nice. It's nice to find out when celebrities have, you know, um, nerdy obsessions. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Like when you, um, what's his name, Joe Mantinello? Joe Mantinello. Yeah, the one who was the wolf um, in... Yes, in True Blood. In True Blood, very hunky. uh, Alcide. Alcide. God, I haven't thought about that show in years. I know. Look, it was really fun for a while there. Uh, I mean, it was incredibly over the top and camp. Oh, it was uh, great, though. It was, it was great because of that. It was good fun, and, and, and Joe got his shirt off a lot, and that was quite good. Uh, but um, he's like a massive D&D nerd. Yes, yeah, yeah. Like, he runs games for celebrities, and they all turn up at his house in L.A., and he yeah. runs D&D games. And Absolutely. I love that. I love and, you know, and you know what? So is Vin Diesel. Is he? Yeah, Vin Diesel is a huge D&D nerd. <laughs> That's uh, so great. Which Hang is on, crazy. Greg's, Greg's got an opinion. I have an opinion. Um, the whole are you talking about um, um, the the guy from the werewolf guy? Yeah, from, yeah, from yeah. True Blood. Yeah, True Blood. He um, he called out Vin Diesel, which I it, it, it's like oh. beef. Stu just said oh. Vin Diesel's a big D and D fan ah. too, but did he? No, no, he called him out and went. He, the, the, I can't remember the, the other guy. Yeah, Joe Mantinello. Yeah, he went uh, on an interview. He went. He says that, but I've never. I don't know anyone who's ever played with him, or he never invites anyone around. 
And you're like, ooh, they're having a nerd off at this point. Who's the biggest, who's the sexiest nerd? And I was like, oh, fair enough. So, yeah, he's, he's laying the laying the smack down on Vin. But I haven't heard back anything. Vin said anything back. So, yeah. who knows? Well, if they do have a game, it needs to be televised. Absolutely. With no shirts. No shirts. That's right. No yeah, shirts absolutely. Everyone, everyone shirtless. Shirtless D&D playing, please. Yes. Thank you very much. That's my only request. And, of course, uh... Uh, God, I've suddenly, uh, this has happened to me more and more, uh, where names will just rush out of my head. Uh, so the, the Witcher, uh, Henry Cavill, he's plays Superman, Jesus. Yes. Um, Henry Cavill has been telling everyone who'll listen that he's a massive PC gamer. Um, really? but I do wonder if that's because the Witcher is a giant PC game. Right. Um, but he has like, like he was asked during an interview is like, oh, um, Xbox or PlayStation. He went PC. Yeah, ah. I, I, like, like, and so since then, people have asked him about. It. He's like, yeah, yeah, I was massive into PC gaming um, when I was younger, and I don't know if he, don't know if he still is, but uh, he's been I, telling everyone to listen that he's like a massive PC gamer, and I'm like, are you though? But anyway, it would make sense though that if he wanted to do The Witcher, because that is a video game. That's true, like, yeah, and and it has been a, it's a huge hit as a video game. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, it, it's interesting. It's nice, because you would imagine that these people, before they became famous, you know, they were just schmucks like the rest of us. Sure, had their sure, absolutely. Obsessions and their hobbies and things like that. So it's nice to know that they carry them through even when they become mega famous. And, um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's good to know. <laughs> and then the one the one other thing, I don't know whether there was any items that you wanted to get to, but I just wanted to quickly Sue, get I've, out. I've, it, look, unless it's about the 1994 action thriller Speed, uh, not a it's, lot of pop culture not, has, been, yeah, sure. <laughs> has been sinking and in. Hey, we, we can talk about Speed if you like. Um, but <laughs> uh, having said that, um, so the other, the other big sort of nerdy news out this week uh, was that uh, BBC America dropped some promotional pictures of the new... Watch series based on Terry Pratchett's uh, Discworld oh, novels. Oh yes, sorry, that is the one thing that I did see. Thank that's, you for bringing yeah. this up. I have few opinions. Uh, oh, do you? Okay, that's great because I think it looks awful. Um, now, that generally means that it'll probably be amazing, and we'll all be kicking ourselves when it comes. Sure, to yeah, yeah, and and that's great. I I want this to be good, right? Because I love Terry Pratchett. I I love the worlds that he created. He's one. He's one of my favorite authors and I think his work is actually genuinely wonderful. And I put it up there with like Dickens and Twain and that sort of thing as someone yeah, as very, like very good satirist. humanist, humanist satire, Yeah, you know, like it's very, very good. It holds up a mirror to the world. And as he says, like the disc world is a world and a mirror to worlds. Mm. And like the point, you know, like, like there's, there's, there's things wrong with some of the books like like you can you can look at some of the elephant the elephants some of the ele elements now and sort of say oh that that's a bit of its time but having said that like the core of it has always been like this strong angry humanist streak throughout it and the sense that i get from these images and it's it's important we haven't seen a trailer we haven't seen anything like that we've just seen some casting news a weird blurb and a and and some photos. images and some yeah. photos um it seems they're going in a very different direction and they're really leaning on that inspired by tag rather than yeah. like like an adaptation of or based on um because they've taken it instead of being like set in sort of medieval fantasy they've made it uh sort of a weird cyberpunk i guess people have been throwing around the world <laughs> diesel punk which i wasn't aware was a real thing but oh, right 
that does yeah, fit it. I, like, it's, I wouldn't it's have said steampunk. cyberpunk because it's not. It's not. Yeah. Um... It's not, it's not steampunk and it's not no. really cyberpunk, but people are sort of throwing around the word diesel punk, I guess, as like a weird mid-ground. Um, but Maybe yeah, like everyone... I, I didn't have as much of an issue with some of the settings and the costumes and things. I mean, it's not like the books, because the book covers are very famous for having this sort of ragtag bunch all in, you know, wacky armour and falling sure, apart yeah, yeah. And, and it's very cartoonish. So I didn't stress about that... Uh, and I thought that Richard Dormer as Vimes looked great. Like his just face was he looks really great. good. I hate his like modern style. Everyone's in like modern jackets and yeah, like he sort of got an haircut. open shirt, open shirt, yeah, and hairy chest and stuff. And they've got they've got like their their police badges around their neck, like a modern police show. And I just everything about it, it everything it does about look it feels like, it's, like yeah. CSI Ankh-Morpork. Which is fine. Like, the thing is, like, there's nothing wrong with that. That could work. And as I've said, I've said, I think I said recently on this very podcast, like, I really liked the Netflix version of Dirk Gently, um, which I thought was a really good adaptation of those novels without being a direct sort of remake. Yes, like they I, weren't, I they haven't weren't seen the second season, but the first season was excellent. Yeah, 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 it's really good, and it, it, it takes the ball and runs with it in terms of the themes and the feeling of that of those books, and it really, it really is a good spiritual successor. In the same way that Watchmen was, in many ways, like it mm-hmm. takes what the original was trying to do and takes it to the next level, while still honouring what came before. And like, if that is what the if, if that's what this show is, then I will sing its praises to the high heavens, and I hope we can cover it on this podcast. But if it is just a obvious like someone read the books, were like, oh, these are garbage. Let's just take what we can use. Like I'm going to hate it, and <laughs> I, I don't want to hate something that's in that involves this world. But yeah. this feels this feels like they're going in the wrong direction. I don't know. It could be good. Well, they have they've sort of recast. So Angua is always, and that's that's who I'm I'm quite fond of because I played Angua on stage. Oh, of course you uh, did. And I've also played Sybil Ramkin on stage. I played right. I played Lady Ramkin in Guards Guards, and I played Angua in Men at Arms. Of course, and... which, which this this seems to be based a little bit on Men at Arms, except not really. Yeah, but it's also apparently got. I haven't read Night Watch, which I know is one of the best. It's uh, yeah. But you kind of have to have read the other watch books to get that one, so... Yes, so I, I must go back and reread. It's been a while, but a long time since I've read Pratchett, actually. But the... Yes, so I'm I'm quite attached to both Lady Ramkin and Angua, and hmm. so they've made Angua already a member of the watch when Carrot turns up, which is not yeah, the way in the they've books. they've flipped that relationship, yeah. And that's interesting, because the whole point of the watch is how it starts as this bunch of, you know stupid white men basically Mm. and then it starts to open up and become more diverse and they recruit more people and that's kind of the message of it that's Um, kind of the point of it yeah whereas this they seem to be just starting with hey we've got this really diverse crew and it's all good it's like oh but is that going to miss the joy of discovery of having people turn up and uh, and look sort of thing i heard someone sort of defend that approach where they said look we can't just keep having work that starts with straight white dudes as the default and then includes you know diversity as like this weird seasoning 
right? Yeah, like, that's fair. Which, which I get, except then make a different show because the well, whole point of yeah. this show, the whole point of, of everything that happens in the watch books is the world becoming less, you know, homogenous. Modernizing, yeah. Yeah, mo- modernizing and, and to bringing things, kicking and screaming into the, into the present and the future. Mm. And, you know, I feel like you miss a lot of the point if you don't start from a position where those things haven't happened. Yes, that's right. It, it, it feels, makes Ankhmore yeah. Pork seem like a much more forward-thinking place than it is. Than it, than it is when, at the start of those books, exactly. Um, yeah. which, which feels like very fundamentally missing the point of what makes those stories work. Yeah. Uh, in, in an effort to be, and I hate to say this, in an effort to be more woke. Yeah. Uh, and the thing is, they've got Anna Chancellor playing Veterinari. Which yeah, I thought which, was great casting. Fine. Yeah, yeah. It, it introduces a weird wrinkle because, like, Vetinari is very, like, patriarchal in many ways. Well, yeah, for but sure. But there's, but there's all sorts of interesting things that could be done with Anna Chancellor as that character. She is, for people who don't know, Duckface in Four Weddings and a Funeral, and she was um, <laughs> Miss yes, Bingley, was. Miss Bingley in the classic 1995 BBC Pride and Prejudice. But I don't know what she's been doing lately. But she she definitely has that kind of very patrician sort of features and and demeanour and that very clipped British aristocracy sort of thing, which I can see translating really well to Vetinari. Absolutely. Um, because of course the whole point about Vetinari is he's he's just the master manipulator. He makes everyone hmm. think that they're doing things because they want to, and actually he's he's literally Machiavellian. Know, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And he uh, he's not as um, – oh, what's that guy? And we, Draconian. So Draco, and we have yes. Draconian because of his – so he's, he's actually not that Draconian. He's just – to keep order, he's got to do certain things. So he's the one who unionises all the uh, – like all the thieves and stuff. Oh, and that, that's the other thing. So that they've really leaned heavily on that idea that there's a thieves' guild – and I don't okay. know whether that's I don't I don't know how much of the like the marketing materials you've you've read, but like they they lean no, heavily no. on a on the fact that a city where crime is legal, and it's like oh, okay. mm, it's it's not it's kind of more complicated than that. It's sort of like a farcical joke in the Discworld novels that yeah. even the thieves have a guild. Yes. You know, and they have to they have to get permission to rob houses and things like that. You know, like like and they're, they're, it's it's more a joke about bureaucracy. Yes. Than it is like some weird play on the purge. Yes, it was about how you know? do you, how do you yeah how do you settle people down, and you go okay well there's still going to be crime but you're going to be told when you're can, targeted yeah, and you'll be able to manage it. If I can control the amount of crime, so if we can, yeah. if we can say okay well there's five percent of crime, you know like like and and that's good and so then there will still be people who can like be housebreakers and pickpockets, um, but they have like set quotas that they have and, to meet and, and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, and weirdly enough, they get recognised for their skills. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and you know, there's awards. So it becomes a craft. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and it's a joke. And and it seems like the the show has really, if the if the blurb is to be believed, it feels like the show has latched onto that idea, as like the city where crime is legal and no one's able to, you know, the police can't do their jobs. And it's like, oh, that's not, that's not Discworld. That's not the Watch. Yeah. That's something completely different. And, the and fact that's that they, fine, but. 
the fact that they've made Lady Rampkin a vigilante oh, who vigilante. kills and other look, rich people. Some of the some of the discourse around Lady Rampkin has been really weird because like a lot of people have gone like a lot of people have literally said she's supposed to be fat and it's like oh, okay i get what you i get what you're saying like what what they're saying is like a she's supposed to be first of all a larger lady which yes. is which is fine um but second of all she's just a person do you know what i mean but she's she's a very principled person mm. and it's those principles that actually appeal to sam vimes yes you know and the idea that sam vimes would have any sort of time for a vigilante who sets people on fire and kicks them into pits yes. which is what she's pictured doing is a pretty big departure from the character that's on the page and that's, that's the right. sort of thing that that worries me about the show right it's not this it's not the stuff there's there's a lot of there is a lot of people online who are doing the predictable like oh they've just made it like politically correct and it's like no that that's that's not my issue like like you can make anna chancellor you can gender flip anna chancellor like that's fine veterinary um casting a non-binary actor to play cheery was genius except for the fact that they then made cheery a human a non-binary human who was raised by dwarves which means that her backstory or their backstory is now um the exactly same the same as carrots yeah like that that's not a good idea that that's not something that adds to the show that's something that just adds confusion it is confusing it is confusing and, and again, also it, yeah. it it um, I, I get that there's a, a sort of a desire to have a, a I guess, a non-binary in that, that trans narrative in there, but it, it doesn't quite fit. The way no, it is in yeah. the disc world is not the same as uh, Cheery is not, in my reading of it, is not a trans dwarf. Like, that doesn't exist. She's a female dwarf, but all dwarfs uh, grow beards and present as male, and she yes. her, her act of rebellion is to claim womanhood essentially absolutely yeah and, it's, it's, and a, she, it's a, yeah and she does that by performing femininity that's her way of yes you know clawing back a, a part of her identity um so for a non non-binary again th that in casting is great but it's like but it doesn't quite map onto no that's it and that, that's the that's the problem is that there's the not a one-to-one comparison between what's happening in that situation and what's happening in in our world yeah i i get why people read a trans narrative into that i get that like 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 if if people do i'm not saying that they're wrong but the dwarves on discworld are very specific about the fact that every dwarf presents as male except that some of them are women right and and it's the fact that the women well, one then would say assume we're many not of going them. to. Well, yes, exactly. Yes, probably fifty percent of them. A dwarf has one look, and yes, and exactly. it happens All to be what we associate same. with a masculine look. Exactly, but but, but, but within, within dwarven society as well, like they don't acknowledge the existence of females. Yeah. Right, and so when females assert themselves, they it's it's shocking. Like it, the idea that someone would come out and come out as female, basically. Yeah. You know, and and that is a shocking thing to dwarf society because they're like, well, females don't exist. 
So in that respect, it's meant to be female empowerment is, is the general point, which is the point of men at arms is, you know, women are, should be on an equal footing with men. But I can definitely see how people read a trans narrative into that in the sense that there's everyone presents as male except someone else, except they identify as female. I, I get that. I get how people are reading a trans narrative into that. And I'm not saying to any anyone who does that they are wrong. It's that the intention of that character is meant to be women's rights. Mm. It's not meant to be non-binary. You know, and, and the idea that fair enough you can't like when they cast a non-binary actor as cheery i'm like that's genius that's actually really good but then they're like oh but they're actually a non-binary human it's like what like that yeah that decision makes no sense to me at all yeah it's mm, I, I i just can't see it myself but maybe i'll be proven wrong yeah again like maybe it'll work maybe maybe carrot and cheery bond over being raised by dwarves or something like i it just but then more broadly, like it, if Cheery's not a dwarf, then we don't have any dwarf representation. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, you're all, yeah, but but like we don't have any fantasy creatures in the show that I'm aware of because well, Detritus I... isn't in it either, and he's a troll. Yeah. Um. So Detritus isn't in it. Cheery's a human now. We're not seeing any fantasy characters. All we're seeing are humans. Yeah. There's there's no fantasy races in this. And, of course, the Discworld is crawling with them. That's kind of the point, is that Ankh-Morpork is a melting pot, not just mm. of all races, but of all fantasy races. They're all mm. coming together, you know, and, and tripping together. over and almost literally tripping over each other. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it just feels like this. they've definitely taken it in a different direction, and I hope it works because they're very good books. Yeah, they are. And I hope it's a good TV show. I hope I hope we're all wrong. Yes, that's Looks that's what we hope for in pop culture that we are. For what, all for what wrong. it's worth, the 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 showrunner and I, I sort of looked him up on Twitter uh, to see what he was saying about it. And he he wasn't engaging with it, which is right and proper and healthy. Mm. Um, but he uh, he did sort of say what uh, one of the writers was saying that um, you know they there is you know. He was talking about elves and goblins and dwarves and, you know, and, and, and this giant crazy city that is Ankh-Morpork. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe that's just not in there. Maybe, maybe they, they misjudged the first marketing push for this and they played down the fantasy elements of it and it's going to be way more sort of fantasy heavy than we're thinking. And if that's yeah. the case, great. I hope, I hope it was the misstep by the marketing department. Trying to lure people in who aren't fantasy people. Sure, but all, all, it's, all it seems to have done is to piss off Discworld fans. Yeah. Uh, and there are a lot of them. Like, this is the thing. Like, they are. He, he was stealth, like, hit until the Harry Potter books came along. Terry Pratchett was Britain's best-selling author every year. Yes. Like, just, just the... And be, one, one, because he had so many books. Yes. But two, because everyone's a fan of them. Like, everyone's, a, everyone's read a Discworld novel. And these books are out there. Like, they're not... They're not Full mainstream in the sense that they you know you couldn't you couldn't make, after them. yeah exactly they have they have theme parks and and you know BuzzFeed lists named after them but <laughs> but you know like until Harry Potter came along he was the best-selling author in Britain yeah and there's a reason for that because lots of people like these books and I think they've underestimated that 
So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out from here. I can't wait to see a trailer. Yes, I that, think that, that will that be... be the proof. Yeah. Yeah, that will be the proof. I think Greg has something to say here. He's he's ducked in with something to say. Welcome back to point counterpoint. It's <laughs> going to be garbage. Oh wow! It's all going to be garbage because people, for some reason, think that they can do better than something that's great. They go, "I love this great thing." You know, you know what I'll do? I'll make it better by adding all this other <laughs> stuff and bolting on my own take on it. And I'm like, yep. "Just do the thing. Just do the thing." Just do, just do the thing. Try the thing once, and then go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, look. If we want to delve back into Game of Thrones, is that when you know when they followed the books more closely, the series was great. And yeah, they, and they struck out on TV. their own. It wasn't the yeah, best. Yeah. So, but there speaking of Pratchett, just I think as we conclude, because we have been going for a while now, yes. but. Uh, Terry Jones passed away this week. He did, very sad. And, as um, um, as uh, uh, John Cleese put it on Twitter this week, two down, four to go. Yes. <laughs> well, I think Terry Jones had been um, sort of out of public life for a few years. He had. He, a had, very... he had. He had a very serious case of dementia. Yeah, and that's so sad. Um, it's awful. How smart he was. Mm. Because I watched a lot of his documentaries on on YouTube. He has a lot of history documentaries you can find on YouTube, and he's so clever. And yeah, as as a historian, you know, apart from all yeah. the comedy stuff that that he did, obviously, and directed Life of Brian, and was you know, he's not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy. <laughs> uh, and how could you not be remembered for that? I think is exactly. Yeah. And and just to tie it back, um, he and Terry Pratchett were going to be the key writers and showrunners on the early version of the Watch series. Like, the reason we're getting this version is because Terry Pratchett's, like, production company uh, approached Terry Jones to be the showrunner for the Watch. Wow. And there's a video I posted on my Twitter account. I watched that. Yeah, yeah which, which, is them, which is them brainstorming the early sort of ideas about what the show would be. Yeah. Um, and Terry Jones isn't in the video, but he's on the phone. He's on the phone. Uh, and, and they sort of talk back and forth about what would, you know, ideas, and some of it's quite, quite funny. Uh, you can see a sense of what the show would have been. Um, and weirdly, like, what they were going to do was they were going to make the show canon, like book canon. So yeah. anything that happened on the show happened in the books, and anything that happened in the books happened in the show. So if someone died in the show, they wouldn't come back in the books, and vice versa. Like, all that sort of thing. Like, like, and things that happen in both would affect the other. Wow. It was very, It would have been very interesting. Uh, and unfortunately, very soon after, uh, both of them sort of started to succumb to their various uh, diseases. Yeah, but so, we both had forms of dementia. Yeah, yeah. Terry, Terry Pratchett had uh, full-blown Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's uh, yeah. he, had a, he had a specific form, but it was Alzheimer's. And yeah. Terry Jones had a form of dementia uh, that was just apparently was awful. So, uh, towards the end, he sort of like couldn't really speak, and and yeah. that's the thing. And it just so like it's like though that family of diseases might actually be some of the cruelest, because they take yeah. people who are sort of bright and vibrant, and they sort of chip yeah. away bit by bit until there's nothing of them left, and they're still yeah. alive. Well, it's something that I um oh god tractor starting up so we should end but um, yes. it's uh my grandfather had uh, full-blown alzheimer's mm. when he died and it's 
so sad and he was an incredibly smart man um, and I don't really remember him before he had Alzheimer's so right. I never really got to know you know the the real him but from all accounts uh, he's you know was was very clever but yeah it's it's so sad and it does um, you know not to be selfish or anything to talk about it and go it's all about me but it is it's definitely one thing that I go oh family history you know that's um, yeah it can't use my brain it's very scary no absolutely it, it's terrifying but having said that you know like what wonderful legacies both men uh, left to us yeah absolutely so. so good so good anyway let's wrap up there before this tractor overtakes everything <laughs> I think they're mowing the park outside or something. Who knows? Well, thank you very much, Stu, for taking the time on a Friday morning when we're recording. I'll try and get this edited up and posted as soon as I can. Uh, and to anyone who got this far and is in Perth, I've got a new show starting next week called Puppies vs. Kittens. Please come along. It should be really fun. It's an argument whether cats or dogs are better. Very simple, very fun. So. And it is along. written now. Yes. Yes. <laughs> no, it is. It's. It's. Um. We've still got pieces being put together, but the the bulk of it is, you know, constructed. Sure. But it's a bit. It's a bit more loose. It's kind of. It's sort of panel show, game show elements that we're finalising. Um. But you know, we'll test them with an audience and see how they go. Absolutely. All right. I will see you soon. No, I think we'll be doing one or maybe even two more Doctor Who's via Skype. Sorry about that. Yes, no, no, that's I'm in okay. Perth for a while. <laughs> but until next time, ladies and gentlemen, we shall leave you with this saying from Nikola Tesla. Uh, the insides transcend the outsides. Is that right? Is <laughs> that what he they, said? Isn't that, isn't that what we all aspire to? Did he add a famous catchphrase? Maybe his famous catchphrase was Edison! <laughs> <laughs> that, that feels appropriate. Okay. Well, bye, fam. We'll see you next time. Bye, fam. Bye.